Experience Rum and Q's award-winning barbecue rubs, sauces and seasonings. Absolutely perfect for any occasion. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Folks, welcome into the show. Thunderbirds are go. They bang, are. Bang on 10 a.m. He's Grant Elliott. I'm Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis is here. Ben Francis is in Auckland. We're in Wellington. We're both all in New Zealand. Home of the World Test Championship. It Still. is. Home of the World Test Championship. Forever the first ever winners of the World Test Championship. I know we're very big in Australia, and there'll be a huge audience listening across the ditch. Uh, may, may I be first to congratulate them for becoming the second team ever to win the World Test Championship. No, it's not gonna, yet. It's going to happen, Grant. Come on. Not yet. And you know what? You can actually come to Wellington, get the white gloves on, and hold the mace. Mm. The mace is here. It's at home yep. in New Zealand. The current World Test yep. Championship holders. But no one remembers who climbed Everest second. No, they don't. No. No. The, the, the second party behind Hillary and his mates. It's a good point. People I haven't thought of it that. like that. So, you know, unlucky Australia for winning its second. But they're not going to lose. Come a little bit closer. Come a little bit closer off camera. Oh. Good to see you, mate. Come a little bit closer. They're not going to, you know, let go of the, the vice-like grip they have on that one. They're not. They're not. And I watched, I had sort of woke up at 1 a.m., and the first thing I did was go onto my phone. You shouldn't have your phone next to you when you sleep, but... I went on to it and watched a couple of overs. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, they are. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to yeah, yeah. do it, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And, and we're going to speak to Hamish Bennett a little bit later. And the well, thing's in Australia these days, isn't He's he? behind enemy lines. I know. Turncoat. And he, he says that it is increasingly frustrating being a, a Kiwi or ex-Kiwi cricketer living in Australia. Why? Because they're quite good? Well, yeah, it's just the banter. Yeah. You can imagine. Yeah. He's like... Oh, New Zealand cricket. Oh, mate, that's like first grade, you know, Premier League cricket here, isn't it? Oh, no. So, a punishing. World Test Championship holders we still are for today. Welcome into the Saturday session uh, with our very dear friends at Rum and Q, award-winning rubs, sauces, and seasonings. We're proudly brought to you by Ramrod today. Mm. I've got the ramrod out. I've got the rib rocker. What have we got in store? Well, plenty. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's get to some sporting headlines though, at the top of the hour. The one New Zealand Warriors sport, the party of Jarrod Croker's, um, what, 300th uh, game last night as they defeated the Raiders comprehensively. 36 points to 14 uh, in Canberra. After trailing 8-6 at the break, the Warriors scored 30 unanswered points. How good to secure the eighth win of the season, which sees them jump to fifth on the standings ahead of the bye. Meanwhile, the uh, Seagulls crushed the Dolphins 58 points to 18. Novak Djokovic, everybody's favourite. Your favourite. No, Grant, if, you go, if you're going to quote me, quote me correctly. I just say the general public, a, a large portion, not every one of them, but a large portion in my mind, have, have a disturbing dislike for this guy. You pour a lot of I fuel on that I fire as well. I think a sensational tennis player, and I've always enjoyed watching him. Do I love him? No. Do I hate him? No. I just admire how good he is. Uh, what's he done this time? He has one win away from a record 23rd men's major singles title after moving into the final of the French Open, being team world number one, didn't he? Carlos Alcaraz. He dominated uh, 6-3, 5-7, 6-1, 6-1. The Serb will uh, face Kaspar Ruud, 
who beat Alexander Zverev. Norwegian fourth seed Rude, who lost to Rafa Nadal in last year's final, won 6-3-6-4-6 love against the 22nd seed Zverev. India gave themselves a glimmer of hope, but only a glimmer. Bit of a fight back against Australia on day three of the World Test Championship at uh, the Oval. Australia reduced to 123 for four in their second innings, but importantly, they have an overall lead of 296 on a pitch that is, um, you, know, you wouldn't say the easiest to bat on. Uh, India still just in the contest, th- uh, contest thanks to a second, seventh wicket partnership, rather, of 109 between Rahane and Takur. Um, but Australia in the box seat. There you have it, the very latest in sports headlines. We'll cover this off with Hamish Ben a little bit later, the former Black Caps fast bowler. Now coaching in the Australian setup in Queensland. We'll do that after midday. Also on the show after 11, we'll talk Champions League uh, final preview with David Show. We'll also talk about uh, the money being chucked around by the Saudi Arabians as far as football. And Lionel Messi to Miami, amongst other things. Uh, we'll also be welcoming in the tank engine, Thomas Waldrum dropping by to talk Super Rugby playoffs. Former Hurricanes and uh, Crusaders, uh, number eight, of course. And uh, that will be uh, about it with all our regular features uh, along the way, Grant Elliott. But right now, as we always do, 0800 we're going to take your calls throughout this hour. Love to talk to you about all things sport. Go on, you can choose the agenda. Your highlights, your lowlights, the big talking points. Gee, there's been some talking points this oh, weekend. so many. This week. There's so much to discuss. Um, but we'll leave it for the floor. 0800 What's the top of your thinking, mate? The top of my thinking is when I hear about Lionel Messi going to Miami, I was thinking, where would you want to finish your commentary or radio career? Like, if you had to choose a place in the world. Well, I think he's made a good trade, Miami, instead of Saudi Arabia, where uh, I, I know he wanted to go back to Barcelona, but that never looked feasible with their financial issues. He was picked to go to Saudi, wasn't he? Well, well they were. Along they, with every other sport at the moment He already the world. is an ambassador for Saudi Arabia. Is that what it is? Um, but they were willing to, I don't know, give him an oil field. It seemed like they were going to throw everything at him. <laughs> but there's a, there's a few more extracurricular activities in Miami that would probably inspire me to sign on the dotted line. Yeah, because, I, I mean, you know, of all the places, I'd have to pick a cricket region. And if I was, it would probably be Barbados. What a spot that is. Grant, we're wondering if you could sign for the Barbadian Tridents or whatever they called indefinitely as the ambassador. That would never happen. Are they one of your formula teams? No, no. <laughs> No, no, no. It's the St. Lucia Zooks. It's hard to keep up. The Zooks was one of the most rebel teams I ever played for. It was quite funny. We used to wake up in the morning and we used to get a message from um, from the manager. And he used to say, Due to unforeseen circumstances, training has been cancelled. And that was because the local players had gone out till 4.30 in the morning. Oh, right. So it was quite foreseen, the circumstances. So me and and Mike Hussey and and Shane Watson and David Miller, we used to be all dressed up, ready to go for training, and we used to get the text message, and it was like, nah, not today. Brilliant stuff. And then uh, they were sort of in the pool. That's the type of team you'd like to sign a long-term deal for, Grant Elliott. It's a shame uh, that it didn't happen. Yeah, I know. Due to unforeseen circumstances, I'm signing a 10-year deal with this team. Brilliant stuff. We could go under the Friday night lights, and why not? Plenty of action last night. Uh, Can I start off with the NRL and the Warriors trailing at half-time? But 
I, I thought that was a great, from what I saw, and I must admit I was in and out of the game. I did, didn't see, you know, huge blocks of it. I, I saw a pretty good, um, you know, defensive display in that first half. Lots of pressure they had to soak up, but they absolutely scorched the Raiders in the second half, um, as heard on SENZ, of course. Five for the Raiders now. Fogarty with ball in hand. Finds Whiten. His players have overrun him. It's come off a Warriors defender. It's picked up by Whiten. And Jack Whiten will go right underneath the sticks for the Raiders. Tackle five now. Goes to Johnson. Johnson with a kick out towards the corner. Wittenese Zalesniak. It's a catch. And what what an amazing try from Dallin Wittenese Zalesniak. It's going to be his eighth try in eight games. And I tell you what, you'll want to watch it again. Sean Johnson... With a kick, hugging the touchline, Martini Zalesniak, how on earth has he put this down, Blake Aisford? I, I, I don't know. I need to see a replay. How has he put this it. down? Now the Raiders are oh. spinning it early on tackle one. Sean Johnson, who can't believe his luck, has just snatched it out of the air. What were the Raiders thinking? I guess they had to try something, but I think it was Joey Tarpany who essentially threw a pass to Sean Johnson and said, here you go, mate, under the sticks you go. Was supposed to be a night for celebration and the Raiders and Jason Croker wasn't it at 300 NRL games. As New Zealand Herald League writer Michael Burgess wrote on Twitter last night, if you are going to crash a party, that's the way to do it. That was the New Zealand Warriors' best defensive half of the season, followed by sizzling offense after the break. Hard to see them falling out of the top eight if they maintain that benchmark. Um, they went into this game, Grant, having beaten the Dolphins last weekend. And in fact, they've played two games since we were last on air, the Warriors now. I think it was Saturday night last weekend mm. and played again. They went into last weekend's game against the Dolphins looking to build on the back of some momentum of that fast finish against the Broncos the week before, a climax that uh, nearly resulted in a thrilling come-from-behind victory. Um, and they did exactly that against the Dolphins, who were in sixth position at the time. It was, it was the first of a run of seven games, and we highlighted this last weekend, where five of those seven games were against sides who were at that stage currently in the top eight. In summary, we, we advised a hugely important run of games over the next couple of months, and they have responded well so far with A-plus, right? 30 points to eight against the Dolphins, and last night 36-14 against the Raiders. It's consecutive performance like this that has me really excited for this team and their fan base. I've tried to pump the brakes a bit this season, reminding you of who have they beaten. Um how often those teams have been outside of the playoff picture, but that's not the case over the last you know week or so. And some of the footy they've played has been pretty darn exciting. Egan's dummy, Johnson's short balls, Nicole Klockstad skipping out of tackles, and me oh my, the try last night, as you heard Sam Hewitt calling, that wasn't his Lesniak catch from the Johnson kick is mind-boggling. I don't know how he scores that. That, that, that is a highlight of all highlights. It was quite stunning. And then the uh, icing on the cake, the Johnson intercept to wrap it all up. I want to hear from Warriors fans today. I know there's been a lot of excitement over the last couple of months. Uh, I, I think now is a time to really be excited from what I have seen. I, I, I need a pulse check. I need an optimism outlook. And where do we start? We always start with the number one, one New Zealand Warriors fan. It is the producer of this fine show, Mr. Ben Francis. Mr. Cool, calm, collected. Never gets carried away. Never gets emotional about his Warriors. It, it is time to get excited, Ben, isn't it? Th- these two performances, what, combined 66 to 22. What, what more can I ask for? 
You're, you're right. And the most impressive thing about last night was that the defence in the first half, the amount the Raiders were throwing at the Warriors and the fact that they only conceded the one try, which was a, an unlucky bounce that didn't go their way. You, I think back to the majority of the Warriors teams over the last 10 years, and they would have probably conceded four tries, probably more. And that would have been game over straight away. But the fact they managed to hold hold out the Raiders and then and their one and only opportunity in that first half score a try with a man in the bin, I think that just shows you how much of a turnaround it's been. And you, I think you do have to start taking them a lot more seriously now. And I think some of these crowd numbers that they're getting at home, they put out during the week, their largest crowd since their first season, I think it's a true sign of what they're doing and people are starting to slowly buy into it. What were your expectations prior to the year and how much have they changed? Because no doubt they would have changed. Well, they've, they've already beaten last year's record. Uh, I expected them to improve, but I felt that due to the other teams getting better as well, I thought maybe they will improve, but maybe just fall short. So for me, they are well exceeding expectations. And when you think that they're adding Roger Tuivasa-Shek next year, potentially another couple of names in there as well. It, it's kind of frightening to think, man, we add these guys in, he might take a while to adjust. But What about this year, though? What are, what are your new expectations? Well, I, I think you have, the way they're going, they're going to be in the top eight. And I, I guess from, I really hope they get at least to play one home final. You know, it's been last time they played a finals home game at Mount Smart was 2008 when they beat the Roosters 30-13. to 13 and that's been 15 years, so it'd be great to get the Warriors back playing a game at Mount Smart in the finals, and that would just be awesome. It's been that long. Yep. No, nothing like the Warriors um, roller coaster. That's what I'd say. I mean, you know, two weeks ago I listened to you, Daniel, and you're like, they're playing top eight teams. Uh, you know, I've got doubts for this team. And yep. now we're on the train of the Warriors, like this could be the season. I didn't have doubts. I, I was just asking people to, to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. You know, this extraordinary turnaround. Well, they weren't top of the competition. With I think there was a bit of hyperbole. Yeah. They were clearly going down the right path. Yeah. But but the, these performances against the sides you really need to beat if you want to climb, you know, quite quickly. You know, you've seen what two losses uh, in that same time to the Dolphins. They're now out of the eight. They've gone from six, I think, down to ten. Well, look, if you can win against your direct rivals... Well, look at the table, Daniel. It's so congested in that top eight. You know, yes. the Warriors are now only two points off first, but then they're also only two exactly. points out of dropping the eight. So, yeah, that's and, why these games against sides in the eight are massive. And what I love as well, Ben, is like you said, the fans. We always talk about the fans. It's about the fans. You know, I mean, I, I think two or three weeks ago we we're talking about players being rested, and you you said you counted it by saying no. Actually, I'm a fan. I want to see the best players on the park. And, well, when the fans are returning to the game and they're watching more and they're watching live performances, that's when you know a team's going well. I was at the Saints basketball last night. They played poorly, the Saints. But, once again... Our corporate daddy... Full house. ...owned Nuggets played quite well. Too. Yeah, they did. They yeah. played they extremely well. and bruised. Jeez, they were, they were good. physically dominant. Although Mark is telling me to calm down after I've been telling everyone to calm down, so I, I guess I, I need to read it. Calm down. Canberra were up late the night before celebrating Croker's 300th. Most of them were hungover. Right, <laughs> Mark, who was there with a the breathalyzer. <laughs> pulse check. I need a pulse check. One New Zealand Warriors fans, 0800 150 811. Uh, do join the show. Look, 
And I'd like to know how much your expectations have changed. Because surely they've changed. And also, how you, this season. How do you celebrate your 300th game as well the before, night before? Yeah, I'm, I don't know if that actually happened, did it? That, have we? Have there been stories if they had a big party the night before? Well, there was definitely celebrations and lots of the talk after the game was about celebrating the moment because not many people thought Jared Croker would reach 300 games. But they also had the stat that I think only 33% of teams where a guy celebrating game 300 have actually won on the day. Yeah, but what's the sample size there? Uh, it's not. It's well. I, how many? How many players have played over three hundred games? Not many, but uh, but I think not. Not many. So it's, I, I th- I'm sorry that, that that doesn't float my boat. Well, I think it's around as far as a significant I, sample. I think size. it's around like twenty five, but mm, yeah, it's not a lot, is it? Well, Simon so Warriors won, and Simon Mannering's three hundred. So, yeah, but I'm looking at it more as a positive for the Warriors than oh look, yeah, history tells us teams don't win the three hundredth game celebration game. But I, I, I think I think yeah, you can say maybe Canberra were up late, but the amount of dominance Canberra had and especially in the opening thirty minutes and the fact they only came away with one try and how good yeah. Canberra have been over the last six weeks, exactly. I think you have to take that into account and you think, yeah, maybe if it was a team like the Panthers, maybe they might have got two tries. But I think the fact the Warriors out resilient because teams of the past, like I said, they would have probably conceded four or five tries in that period and it would have been game over and would be God same old typical Warriors. Indeed, I, I agree with you on that front. Hey, Super Rugby, also under the Friday Night Lights, it was uh, quarterfinal action after 15 weeks of round-robin play. It moved to knockout footy with the Blues uh, meeting the Waratahs in Auckland last night. And it was the Blues who sent the Waratahs into off-season mode. Now, a bit of space here. Quickly through the hands, AJ Lamb. Finding a bit of space. Oh, great offload on the inside. Heen, you want it. Christy Witham. Finley Christy. And the Blues are the first team through to the Super Rugby Pacific semi-finals for 2023. Comprehensive win over the Waratahs at Eden Park by 41 points to 12. Very comfortable for the Blues in the end, although it was the Tars who did land the first punch, scoring after just two and a half minutes. But the try you heard to start there, absolute stunning long-range effort from the Blues, finished off by Finlay Christie in the 17th minute. After that, the uh, result looked beyond a doubt, and it was secured with tries in those championship minutes, just a few minutes either side of halftime. Job done, 41 points to 12. Uh, I, I thought very positively for the Blues. Uh, one boat and Barrett looked quite lively. I mean, sort of underwhelmed by his very, normally very, very high standards at Super Rugby this year, and maybe his timing has run perfectly. Uh, so up to that, it's a triple treat, a footy feast. You've got the Chiefs up against the Reds, Crusaders up against the Drua before the Brumbies take on the Canes. And I know you're going to accuse me of uh, Hurricanes bias here, um, but that's the game of the round for me. That's the one I'm most looking forward to. And a little bit surprisingly for me, the Canes are favourites to beat the Brumbies in Canberra. Yes, they won the game in Wellington earlier this year by 32 points to 27, uh, but last year the Brumbies eliminated the Canes at the stage. And you might not remember this, Grant. Uh, you're probably not as a bitter Hurricanes fan as I have been over the years. Um, a win made all the more remarkable uh, when the Brumbies had a man sent off 22 minutes in last year. Um and seconds later trailed by 11 points, 14 points to three at the time. Incredibly, the Brumbies had taken the lead before halftime in that game. It was your archetypal seesawing fixture. The Canes back in front just before halftime, um, but it was a shocking night to be a Canes fan. They were up by as many as 10 points in that second half with a man advantage. 
Uh, but then they conceded 20 unanswered points to a 14-man Brumby side and were eliminated. Clearly, I need to get over things. You're not bitter about None. that at all, are you? None. <laughs> not at all. None whatsoever. Yes, I've got my heart in that fixture there, the Hurricanes versus the Brumbies, but I am interested to see how Fiji and Drua... I mean, we know, I guess, the inevitable will happen there with the Crusaders, but could we see something really magical from the Fiji and Drua? Is there a possibility? On a very, very cold night in Christchurch? Yeah, I know, I know. Wouldn't it be dreamy? Well, it it would be. Do you believe... It would be good for the competition, wouldn't it? A massive upset like that, it's not happening. But I do, they, they finished strong in their last game, and I just, yeah, I hope that they at least contest the game. I, th- I think there will be moments when they really stress the Crusaders' defence. Yeah. It's hard to keep them locked down for 80 minutes. Yeah. But, but I think it would be the upset of all upsets. Oh, it would be. It would be Leicester, Leicester City winning the Premier League, wouldn't it? If they went on to win the thing. Oh, well, well just oh, win this game. Incredible. Uh, morning, boys. Warriors were so good, but, man, I was getting so frustrated with the ref. I won't go into the high shots. What about slowing down our ball and not getting penalised? Cheers, Cam, from Invercargill. Cam, I, yeah, you're you're entitled to be frustrated for sure, but they've overcome it. They've overcome it, and in really Im- impressive uh, fashion. Uh, all the more reason to sing, I would argue. Our number is 0800-150-811. Uh, you can text us, double eight double three. I'd love someone to give us a call. I'm I, sick of the sound of my, well, my nasally voice already. I think that um, the Warriors fans were out celebrating last maybe, night. Maybe it wasn't they were. Canberra. Maybe they, they still were. asleep. Are they, are, they, are they still in the scratcher? They're still in the scratcher. Yeah. Man in the evening, man in the morning. Oh, smelly bedroom. <laughs> open the curtains, pull, open the windows, pick up the phone to give us a call. Open line talk. Happy to discuss all the action under the Friday night lights. Gee, there's so much world-class sport going on. French Open, of course, World Test Championship. You're not leaving to go to the Saudi, are you? Not yet. Daniel, not yet? Not, not yet. Um, you haven't and, been bought and, out? And the PGA, PGA Live Golf um, marriage, if I could say. It is open line talk. Love to get your thoughts. We'll take a break. 0800 150 You're all right, mate? Just taking selfies of yourself all throughout the air break. No, um, someone was messaging me and they don't realise that I'm actually working at the moment. Oh, right. Well, this isn't work, is it? They didn't believe you. No, they didn't believe you. So you have to show proof, don't you? Yeah. Timestamp. Not as if if you've been doing it for two years. No, I know. Yeah. And how good has it been, though? Big fan of the show, obviously. Whoever's been bringing. (laughs) Yeah. Whoever's been bringing. He's in the UK. They asking about the Punters Club or something. Yeah, he's probably. The good oil's after one. Has been for years. He's probably talking more about um, what's happening in English rugby and how many New Zealand players are defecting there. Well, I think that's a lovely segue, Mr. Grant Elliott, to rub the wrong way. Oh, are you already getting I'm rubbed, ready the to wrong, rock. rubbed the wrong I've, way? I've been rubbed the wrong way a lot over the last 48 hours. You know, when, when you're suffering from man flow, you know, no one really gets it. You know how tough we do it. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? It is tough. And it you is. are doing it tough. You can hear that just just a slight, you're about 10% off the nasal cavity. Oh, I know. Sound dreadful, don't I? <laughs> Absolutely. All the more reason to give us a call and shut me up on 0800 150 or double eight double three. It is time for Rub the Wrong Way with Rum and Q, award-winning rubs, sauces, seasonings. So what's rubbed me the wrong way? Well, one man in particular. 
Who's that man? Leicester offer Kai Wales Twickenham fighting Anuku. Can you? Is how many people is that? Leicester offer Kai Wales Twickenham fighting Anuku. One. He might have the coolest name in rugby, but he has rugged me the wrong way this week. Why? Well, he's confirmed he's leaving little old New Zealand and heading to France. Oh, no. Now, the act of him leaving, well, he's entitled to that. I've got no issue with that. I've got no issue with free agents. Really? Actually choosing where they go. There's a lot of people that do. And I know. I have no issue with that. That has not rubbed me the wrong way. It's what he has said that has rubbed me the wrong way. Why? Because he's probably right. Let, let me explain. And let me use a direct quote from uh, Lester Ofakai, Wales, Twickenham fighting at Anuku. When people hear about this, they think straight to the money. But for those rugby heads who really look into the European competitions and the footy they play, it's got to take guts for a 23-year-old to leave behind and head over. That's the thing that excites me. The money is just the bonus. The real excitement is competing against some of the best international players in the world every week. The majority of them are up there. So, this is me now talking, Grant. So we, for many years, have always thought Super Rugby is a bit of the bee's knees, you know? And and the added bonus of playing for the mightiest jersey of them all, the black with the silver fern, uh, would ultimately keep our best talent here. And for many, many years, it, it generally did. Especially the likes of an excitement machine like this bloke, right? 23 years young, best footy ahead of him, etc., etc. He is so fun to watch. Uh, he adds, the last five years, I've accomplished more than... I ever dreamed of four Super Rugby Championships, one more to come, fingers crossed, uh, two uh, NPC Championships with Tasman, and I was fortunate enough to get an All Blacks cap. Uh, two tests to be exact, this is me talking again, in that ill-fated series against Ireland. Don't, don't really see anything about a, a Rugby World Cup being um, in that dream. But anyway, uh, I digress. But he has since improved since playing for the All Blacks in 2022. No doubt about that. Looks like a player who's going to have a top-class career. And they're getting a great player. Uh, no doubt about that. So we lose another player whose best footy is ahead of him to a competition. He appears to think, in fact, he clearly thinks, is superior to Super Rugby and All Blacks footy combined. That's the kick in the guts. That's what's rubbed me the wrong way. Because it's very hard to pick a single hole in that argument right now. Am I wrong in thinking that? Um, and it should be heard very loud and clear at New Zealand Rugby. That's rubbed me the wrong way. Experience rum and cues, award-winning barbecue rubs, sauces and seasonings, absolutely perfect for any occasion. So is it the fact that he says that Super Rugby probably isn't the pinnacle and that rubs you the wrong way because you're upset? He's right. But you're also upset that it's not. Like, you really do believe that Super Rugby is definitely not the pinnacle of all competitions in the world, which it probably was how many years ago? A number of years ago. Is that when South Africa were But, but we've, got, we've got this bizarre system where it's Super Rugby, rugby and the lure of the All Blacks jersey. Mm. Yes. But when I think the excitement of playing in the club competition in certain parts of Europe, you know, I, I ran into a few sort of former players of after the... Um, European Cup, La Rochelle won it. And the excitement in their eyes talking about the type of rugby in that final and the lines I, I, I heard, you don't get that in this, part of the, in this part of the world. Well, we're going to hear later on from Hamish Bennett about the uh, central contracts that New Zealand cricket have um, announced. And Trent Bolt has once again declined a central contract. But 
New Zealand Cricket say that the, the veteran left-arm paceman, he's committed to being available for the Black Caps for part of the playing program and has been offered a casual playing agreement. So there's no specifics around that, but when are we going to get to that stage with our All Blacks? When are we going to get to the stage where they can play overseas but still play for the All Blacks? They can go on their sabbaticals, play all around the world, as opposed to playing locally. I, I still think we're some time. Why? You, because uh, because it, is, it is a reason to keep them here. But, I mean, we're looking at cricket and you, now. And you, you need a competition. You need to create some content in this part of the world. The landscape's super, changing super, quickly. Super Rugby gives you 18 weeks, 15 round robins, 15 games, 8. Well, the, the, you, need, you need something, don't you? The you Saudi, need something for Sky to broadcast if they're going to fork out 500 million New Zealand bucks to New Zealand rugby. It's the Saudi Rugby League, definitely. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what comes. <laughs> An auction. I'm A glad, player auction. I'm glad, this... I'm glad common sense has prevailed with regard to Trent Bolt. Yes. Well, at and least... I'm glad you've come around. Yeah, well, no, because all I've said is I've said give him a casual playing contract, which now they've done, so they've listened no, to me. No, you said, think about all the other players. Yes. And their feelings, if they, they pick him. But that's because it was black or white. So New Zealand cricket said, either you contracted or you're not. But now... I'm trying to poke your ribs, yeah. and I don't really have the conviction. I don't no. believe what I'm saying there. But So now New Zealand cricket have gone back and said, oh, we've actually got a casual playing agreement, which was never in place, but now it is. Mm. So what is a casual playing agreement? Can we get more clarification on that? Can players just go, I'm only going to be available for the World Cup or I'm going to be available for, you know, the super, um, what's it, the, the super smash? You know, what, what passages are they going to be available for? So clarity on that and the ability to keep our players here and contracted like Trent Bolt and in a rugby sense but then also allow them the freedom to go and earn money elsewhere in other competitions. And the big takeaway from Rub the Wrong Way, how cool is Leicester's name? Oh, that is uh, th- how cool is that name? Can anyone top that name? Leicester Offakai Wales Twickenham Fighting Anuku. I, I think, and I, this old man played for Tonga at a World Cup, and I think it has something to do with that tournament, I think. Um, someone will text in there knowing um, SENZ audience. Will, but how good's that? Leicester off a guy, Wales, Twicken and Fanga. It's the best name ever, but I can just see... What are your middle names? Teacher. I should know this, you know. It's just David. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Grant, David to Elliot. Yeah. That's my Why dad. am I not my surprised? Dad's name. My dad's name. I like name. David. Hope you're doing well. I know yeah. he's a big fan of the show. Yeah. Ben, but, ben Francis, what's your middle name? Anything cool? Horatius. No, I'm, I'm, I refuse to share this Whoa. on here. Whoa, hold, on, hold, on, hold, on. hold on. This is good. Hold on. Why? Is this it embarrassing? Is, this is really good. Uh, Just give us a letter. No, nah, I'm. Uh, let, let's say if I put it out there, Daniel, I might have people chasing after me. Oh, oh wow. That, this is shrouded in mystery and intrigue. I want to know. Did you, did you commit some sort of fraud? No. In the past, I, I refuse to comment any fines. further without my lawyer. <laughs> Where were the, mm. Some unpaid fines, <laughs> something like that. I'm not, I'm not sure. It's a little bit like Snake McCarty. We don't quite know how you got your nickname, and you won't tell me yet after two years. Only people I truly love <laughs> get to know that story. 
Jeff from Blacksland in New South Wales writes, Hi, lads. Greetings from Oz. Love your show. FYI, Jared Croker is the 48th player to reach 300 NRL games. Thank you very much, Jeff. No one likes a corrector. We love them on the show. We love being corrected. Our number is 0800-150-811. I hope I've got that correct. You have. You have, 150811. Warriors fans are still in the scratcher. Yep. They're still celebrating. Double eight, double three. if you want to send a text to the Temper Bear Post text machine that's 24 minutes away from 11. Back with more here on the Saturday session. With you, we do hope. Back up for the break. Yes, it is. It's the Saturday session with Daniel McCarty, the host, and me, the co-host, Grant Elliott, who's been given the steering wheel. I'm going to be taking the show for the rest of... The day. I'm getting paid by the word now. 19 away from 11. And we're just 19 minutes away from 11. We've been talking the Warriors, and we've got a very important listener on the blower. The first one this morning, Joey from Auckland. You want to talk about the Warriors? What's your beef, Joey? Yeah, go boy. Yeah, go boys. First time caller to your your program, but I call the station quite often. Um, look, the Warriors. Great to uh, have you. Probably. To me, yeah, likewise, guys. Great to listen to you. Look, to me, the Warriors are, are probably looking at what I've seen over the the season. They're probably the fittest side in the competition, and in the in the back end of games, they're coming over teams because they're fitter. And what they're doing is they're backing themselves. When they get a a, um, a dropout, they don't go deep anymore. They go they go ten meters, and they back themselves. If they don't get the ball, they back themselves that the other team ain't going to score. And this guy is a coach. I've said it before. He could be better than Ivan Cleary. He's got them going really well. Fanua Blake is playing 60 to 70 minutes a game, which is for a prop is unbelievable. And he's so hard to bring down. And it just he gives is. them good momentum. And, and, and when, you've got, when you've got the players around them, uh, around him that, that see him doing that, they just lift. You've got, you got Barnett who makes heaps of tackles and takes the ball up. You've got good second rowers who, who will make 30 tackles a game. And also you've got players that, that at the moment are, are um, injured. When they come back, it's going to be even better you know, to try to get into the side. Everyone's challenging to try to get into the side. And the best thing they have, and they've always said this with the Warriors, is they've got a reserve grade. And when you have a strong reserve grade, when you, you've got players coming in, they're getting players out of out of Auckland and that, from club rugby rugby league and that, some and, and obviously other players, they've they've got something to look forward to. They're going well. I can't get into the Warriors at the moment, but I'm only 19 or 20. Now, when Sean Johnson retires, I could be the next one. In. So they don't want to leave. They want to stay and they want to play for because they know they've got a chance at some stage of of making the top side. And that, that's just fantastic. I don't know what you guys think, but it's just it's brilliant. Yeah, Joey, I want to um, I want to grant that, that what you said was about fitness. You said their fitness is better. Now, fitness comes from a buy-in from the team. It's one of the most difficult things to do. Why do you think they're fitter this season than other seasons? Is there more of a care factor, more of a belief, or is it because of that? Um, that uh, second round or second tier of players coming through that are pushing them? Oh, it's a little bit of both, uh, uh, Grant. Look, uh, what it is too with, with fitness to, for me, and, and I was coached by a guy, uh, a guy called Tom Baxter, and he, he was one of the centres for New Zealand, one of the best centres that ever played for New Zealand. And he said a fitter, fitter man 
will will recover a hell of a lot quicker than a non-fitter man, but mentally, that the, mm. the you, you you switch onto the game game quicker, and 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 you do. And I think coming back from Australia as well, where it was pretty tough for them over there, where they had to spend two and yes. a half years. Yeah, uh, that that was hard mm. for for all of them. I, I know it was hard. It was hard for a lot of them. They're now back in the right situation, and they've. I've, I always said last year, Fanua Blake was either injured or he wasn't fit. Now, I'd love to have a, just a, a chat to him one-on-one and say, were you fit or were you injured? Because the way he's playing at the moment, not just him, Bundy Afar is playing well, um, you know, and, and when you've got the go forward, for, like, it's just like rugby. Forwards, forwards, the forwards will win you the game. Well, they get you the go forward to give your, your backs, and especially your inside backs, more room. And and they're just backing each other's they're just backing each other's confidence and and he's not going to get past me or I've got your back you've got mine and it's all I think at least sixty percent of it is fitness without a doubt they're very fit that's why they're running over sides they hung on last night the referee I thought was was not consistent I mean you send a guy to the bin for a, a tackle like that Richard yeah. Barnett which is fair enough if you're on report. Well, two mm. other guys went on report, never went to the bin. Well, that's what they've, they've got to change that rule. If you go on report, and you, 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 go, you should go straight to the bin. It doesn't matter. If referee says, you're on report, you do 10 minutes in the bin. But you've got to be consistent. And he wasn't. The two Canberra guys should have gone to the bin as well, and they didn't. And the Warriors hung on and said, bugger this, we're going to just keep fighting. And that's what gets you a premiership side. I'm not saying this. Joey, shit, I'm loving. I'm loving the energy in your voice. We don't have a whole heap of time. I, I just love how uh, you're how you're involved in this. You are. I'd like to know from the start of the season to today how much of your expectations changed. What's now success for the Warriors in 2023, according to you, Joey? Oh, look, just just making the top eight, but being cons- look playing good football and 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 backing each other in any game you play, rugby or league. As long as you've got your mates back and 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 and, and your team, it's it's all about your, your players and the team and that and the coach. The coach is very good and he's got good coaches around him that are that are learning as well. And and I think, as I said, there's you know, from the beginning, I thought they would make the eight with this guy because I, um, he's got passion too. He loves New Zealand as well. The coach, you know, he's come from Australia. I know someone said he, he was born in New Zealand. But um, and he's he, he's got the passion at coaching the Warriors. Mike Cleary had as well. I'm not saying the other coaches didn't, but um, at the end of the day, to me, they just seem to be a, a much better side, and they're backing each other. And once you got that, you're halfway there. If you if, once you've got the, you're backing each other, once you've got your, your teammates back, you're halfway there. Good on you, Joey. Thanks so much for calling us. Fantastic to have you on the show for the first time. Uh, hopefully it's you know not long before you're calling us again. Thanks so much. Go well. Oh, he's gone. Love the passion. Love the energy. A, he's he's yeah. on a ride. They're on a ride. Why not? Do you know what Joey brought up some really important points there? Because I think you know I hopped on the fitness side of it because being in a team and having captained a team as well, where fitness is like your one. Uh, what's more than one percent? You know, it's a five percenter. If you can cover off fitness as a team and all be at peak physical condition, which takes a lot of dedication, yep. a lot of buy-in, and a lot of belief that 
you're prepared to put the effort in on fitness to get to the top and win, you know, a trophy. Um, that dedication from the team shows really good culture, really good buy-in, and a belief that, you, you know, you're buying into something that you think is going to be successful. So not only do we have the fans getting in behind the team, but we're seeing a cultural shift from the Warriors because I think, am I right in saying that normally they would taper off at the end of games and they wouldn't be the fittest of teams? I think it's been a long time criticism of the side. Yeah, and clutch it defeat is, from the jaws of victory. It's the conditioning. Yes. It's often, it's often brought up. So that shift will also show that maybe there's a, a coaching culture within the team that is changing. And I think that that's giving the fans belief. So there's a lot of positives from Joey there. Like, I mean, I'm getting excited. Joey should be there for the next uh, team talk, I reckon. Get in the, get him in the change room to the Warriors. He was That was excellent. And I can guarantee they won't get beaten next weekend. Oh. <laughs> they got the bye, haven't they? Great. They've got the bye. <laughs> and then they won't get beaten the following weekend because they take on the Dragons. Well, you heard it here first. Dragons are 17th. Daniel McCarty. You'd like to think so. <laughs> uh, we will take a break. It is uh, 10 away from 11. It is six minutes away from 11 o'clock. Our text line is double eight double three temper beer post text machine. Let's get to a few of them. Uh, this relating to the quotes of Lester Fanganuku. So Lester is saying most of the team he plays for aren't good enough! Exclamation point. Plenty of ammunition for opposition teams now being told they are not the best. Uh, writes RC. He's interpreted that way. I didn't interpret it as such. It does fire you up as an opposition when you come up against a player who, you know, may have bagged a team or two. Is he? No, I don't think he is. I think he's being positive about what happens up north. North. Someone writes here, the correct use of the word sabbatical rather than its bastardization is a good indicator of the speaker's level of education. (laughs) I I can't remember saying... I, I said sabbatical. Oh, you did. So am I the speaker? Someone's looking Level down. of education. Yeah. <laughs> that was some very pious looking down at uh, Grant Hill. Put your name to it. Would be nice. Yeah. And where you're from. I'd yeah, like yeah. to know where you're from as well. So he can stalk you and you can join his Everton fan club maybe. Another one. This one is from Steve. Hi, guys. I watched Warriors last night, and I've been a critic thinking their bubble will burst like it has before, but the matter of their victory suggests they're a top eight contender if they beat the Rabbits. I will get on their bus, love your show, and Grant is always right. Oh. <laughs> Good on you, Steve. I like Steve. <laughs> That's fantastic, Steve. I am, Steve. We all know Steve's wrong. <laughs> uh, it's bloody simple, really. They're all men who know how to play the game. Um, what in the past has let them down is their fitness. And Webster has said, get fit or get out, writes Mark. And Craig, hitting the most important topic of the day, writes, Ben's middle name is either Daphne, Eunice, Hilda, or Adolf. <laughs> we need to find out what Ben Francis's middle name if is. If anyone listening knows Ben Francis personally and knows his middle name, double eight, double three. That's our, our temper bed post text machine. It will go around Ben. It will come directly to us, and he, he can't shape the narrative. He's showing us his driver's license. But we can't see it. But I'd like to know, what is that photo? That's the more shocking revelation. Hey, did you... Have you... You're not Ben Francis at all, are you? How old was did, I? How old was I? I would have... This was issued in 2016. Has someone gone missing called Ben Francis at the Auckland region over a few years ago? I think there's been some identity theft. 
No, I was, I was, not, that can't be you on that driver's license. No, I was 19, I think, when I got it. Because I had to get a full license so I could get the job at News Hub. So I went and got my full license. Of course. Well done. You look 12. You look 12 in that photo. But well, I've grown the reason up. why you're throwing your driver's license up at the camera is because we're trying to guess what your middle name is because you're too scared to divulge it. Well, no, if you weren't listening to the last hour, um, he, he indicated that he was involved in some high criminal activity and he, he didn't want to be tracked down, basically, mm. is how I <laughs> interpreted it. Uh, double eight, double three, temper bedpost text. Generally, at this time of the week, we say... You know, what's rubbed you the wrong way and Grant gets into his, you know, side of the argument uh, and you can win some fantastic um, kit from the wonderful team at Rum and Q. How about we just throw that open to people who can guess Ben Francis's middle name. The funnier the better, more likely to be read out. And everyone who plays a part uh, will go into the draw to win said prize pack thanks to the wonderful team at Rum and Q award winning. Rubs, seasonings, and sauces. Damien. Hugh is fantastic. It might rub me the wrong way hearing some of these answers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Double eight, double three. Uh, We'll enter Craig. Craig's first in the draw after his text uh, prior to the last break, suggesting it's either Daphne, Eunice, Hilda, or Adolf. (laughs) Yeah, one one of those kids is not like the other. Uh, Thank you very much from Roger in Napier, who was uh, talking to us telling us about the correct use of the word sabbatical rather than its bastardisation. Um, using that as an indication to have a dig at Grant's level of education. Roger is from Napier. He mm-hmm. is an English lit grad. Assume that's literature. Um, and has a BA. Perfect. Well done. Well, I've taken it on board. Yeah, yeah we'll take the key learnings, uh, Roger, uh, from your message and uh, apply them indiscriminately to our life. And I might use Roger's name every now and then. Not in vain. To the headlines we go, and the Blues have dominated the Waratahs to book entry into the Super Rugby Pacific Final Four, running away with a 41 points to 12 win at Eden Park last night. Rocked early when the visitors scored after just two and a half minutes. The home side showed their guest little hospitality from that point on 38 straight points before conceding a consolation try very late in the contest. Triple treat. It is a day you cash in your brownie points today, isn't it? You park yourself up on the car. Oh, on the couch, rather. On the car would be weird. If you parked yourself the on car, the car. On your screen. Yeah, yeah, that would be odd. Hey, maybe streaming off a little um, handheld device in your car is, is how some people will enjoy it later today. But there are three games uh, today. Uh, Crusaders up against the Drua. Uh, Chiefs up against the Reds, and the one I'm looking forward to and quite nervous about, uh, the Brumbies hosting the Hurricanes. Novak Djokovic is just one win away from a record 23rd men's Grand Slam singles title after moving into the French Open final after beating Carlos Alcaraz. He won 6-3-5-7-6-1-6-1, and he will uh, take on Kasper Ruud, who was last year's beaten finalist. Uh, Ruud got past Alexander Zverev. And the 49 49ers Enterprise have agreed to a deal to purchase Leeds United, um, ending what the owners' uh, six-year reign at Leeds. Leeds, of course, has recently relegated to the championship. The American group who owns the NFL franchise, the San Francisco 49ers, already owned a 44% stake in the club, but now have agreed to purchase the remaining 56% a fortnight ago. 
Leeds were relegated, unfortunately, meaning Everton stayed in the English uh, Premier League. Yes, Everton. Let's get to uh, some suggestions of Ben Francis' middle name. (laughs) I'm I'm not reading that one, because I don't think that actually has anything to do with Ben Francis. No, and that'll just just fire Roger up. Yeah, that's just mean. Come on. Play the ball, not the man. Uh, Putin? <laughs> Mike is suggesting it's Putin? Benjamin Putin Francis. Francis. Yeah. Yeah. That would... Um, I like this one, Barry. I'd be proud of this if this was my middle name. Benjamin Franklin Francis. Ben Franklin. Yeah. You know your history? Yeah. Ben Franklin? Yeah. You're, you're clutching, aren't you? Yeah, I am. You've got I'm no going to have to ask Do Bard. you have any idea who Benjamin Franklin is? I'm going yeah, to say gonna U.S. To, president. You're going to go to your... Um, U.S. president. Yeah, you, yeah. He's going to go to AI. Because Grant Elliott is actually um, a wax doll. There's, there's, there's no brain in there. It's always, it's always been artificial intelligence. It's the Benjamins. It is the Benjamins. When you talk about the Benjis. Yeah, he's, he's on a bank yeah, note. He's on the handy. Yeah. Uh, Rumpel Stiltskin. Again, that would... No. What's wrong with Rumpel Stiltskin? No, no. I'm not sure the angry man. story. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. And can you read the, the last one? Is it... Do you want to say that one? How do you... Left? Left coit. Left... What does that mean? I've got no idea what left coit means. I feel like we're ru- about to walk into a broadcasting standards complaint. Everyone who plays part of this game in the draw to win a wonderful prize pack thanks to the team at Rum and Q. Experience Rum and Q's award-winning barbecue rubs, sauces and seasonings. Absolutely perfect for any occasion. Double eight, double three, um, play the game. Or if there is something legitimately that has rubbed you the wrong way, let us know what it is. Let me guess, a lot of people have been rubbed the wrong way about... The PGA Tour and Live Golf and their, un, I'm not going to say unnatural marriage, but it's a very unlikely marriage. It came out of nowhere and continues to reverberate around the world and will do so for months on end, Grant, because there is so much detail lacking as to how this brave new world is going to work. I think there's a lot of people that don't really understand it. And, uh, you know, is it a merger? Is it, you know, a, a separate entity that's been created? I, I found something. It's a four-tax, it, it, it's a for-profit enterprise. Yes. Right, this new marriage between the PGA Tour, the DP Tour, and DP Tour, terrible name, um, Live. And, the, and the Live Golf, which I find quite interesting because the PGA Tour has enjoyed tax-free exemptions for a number of years. Has it? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the PGA, as we've known it, has always been a not-for-profit, tax-exempt organisation. Already one congressman has, you know, taken this opportunity in the United States to get some attention, um, you know, has tabled some sort of bill to make sure they don't get tax exemption benefits in the future. Interesting. Mm. That's just a, you know, an aside to the main course. Well, I've got eight questions that need to be answered, and it is the first one, for those people that don't understand it, what is the PGA Tour and the Live Golf merger? PGA Tour, Live Golf merger is the agreement between the PGA Tour the DP, World Tour, which you spoke about, the European, 
and LiveGolf to combine their business operations and form a new entity. And who's involved in it? Well, it involves the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, formerly known as the European Tour, and LiveGolf, a league funded by public investment fund, the PIF, which is Saudi Arabia. It's the sovereign wealth fund of the Saudi Arabian government. It's worth about seven hundred billion US, I think. That's quite a lot of money. That's a, a couple of dollars. And so, what does it entail? Well, the PIF of Saudi Arabia will make a capital investment into the new entity formed by the merger, and Yasser Al Rumayan will join the board of directors. And it's initiated by Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner. Jay Monahan recognised the financial financial strength of Live Golf and believed that a merger would be beneficial for all parties involved. That's funny, after <laughs> spending a whole year saying, Moaning this is about, about papering over the cracks of... You know. <laughs> I would love to go back and see the dialogue or the narrative that, that was actually made. I'm it's sure a, we can find that. I mean, papering over, this is all about papering over in the cracks of human rights abuses. Oh, now there's a dollar figure. That means something to us. I we're, we're losing too much money. We're going to lose too much money going to court because you know it's been quite a litigious program between. But yeah, just and and the decision to merge was guided by the corporate members of the PGA Tour board. Uh, Live golfers and the the PGA Tour membership, or after Live Golf season concludes in November, a fair, objective process will be established for Live Golf players who left the PGA Tour and DP World Tour. To reapply for membership. I wonder what the price tag on that membership will be. Because there's been a lot of players rumoured to have, like Tiger Woods, 800 million turned it down. Not that he needs it, but, you know, what about these players that have turned down the hundreds of millions to stay in the PGA? Oh, they'll be asking for money now. Well, will they? I mean, is that yet to come? So there's also potential changes to the PGA Tour. It's uncertain if any changes will be made to the tournaments. The PGA Tour will retain administrative oversight of events and maintain the sanctioning of events, administration of competitions, and the rules. But we might see some team golf like we've seen with Liv. They've, of course, played 54 holes, three rounds, party holes, etc. Team competitions, etc. Yeah, that devil in the detail there. And there's also, obviously, the controversy surrounding Live Golf, which uh, where Live Golf has faced criticism due to its complete funding by the PIF, which has been associated which, with allegations of human rights abuses. Live Golf has been viewed as a form of sport washing. And the it's reaction... It's not the most transparent public investment funds, you would say. No. But there's been reactions from the golfers, and a lot of people would have seen that that have been on Twitter. Some PGA uh, tour golfers expressed negative reactions to the merger with some learning about it through social media. So the PGA Tour Commissioner Monaghan held a players-only meeting to address concerns and provide more information about the merger. After a deal was already struck. After, after right. everyone heard about it on yeah, social yeah, media. Yeah. You may or may not have heard. Mm. Those guys have been you know, throwing mud out for a year. We got married last night in Vegas. Woohoo! And, and I, I saw that someone, um, and I can't recall his name, one of the golfers actually pulled out of a PGA tournament and whether that was a reaction to the merger and everything that had gone on. But I, I just wonder, I mean, I think about Shane Bond. So Shane Bond, back in the day. Wow, this is quite a tangent. You've yeah. From 
the PGN lived to Shane Bond. Well, well, back in the day, Shane Bond signed for um, the Indian Cricket League, which was a league that was opposing the IPL at yeah. the time. And, and then he, after he signed, the ICC ratified the IPL. Yes. And said that was a rebel league. But Justin Vaughan said, yes, you can sign for the ICL and still be available to play for New Zealand. He signed for the ICL. Subsequently, ICC Justin Vaughan... No. Oh, no, sorry, we can't do that. You're actually being sanctioned now. That that tournament's been sanctioned. But he signed signed his life away and, and his international career. And it's kind of like, you know, we're in that situation now where players signed in a rebel league with Liv and some players decided not to. But those players that decided not to, how can they be compensated for not signing? Watch this space, Grant. Yeah. Really fascinating. Thank you. They, they are the key questions. Thank you very much, Mr. Grant to Elliot. Coming up after this break, we'll speak uh, about a, a team who's also you know, the majority owned by a nation state. Abu Dhabi. Manchester City. They're a pretty darn good football side. They go for the treble. Mm. If they can beat Inter Milan in the Champions League final, of course. That's this weekend. Our number one football football expert here on SCNZ is former all-white David Choate. He'll drop by uh, to discuss this and uh, other things after this uh, break. Sorry, Grant. You and, and they almost, they almost, Manchester City, they almost dominated your bet. You said it was going to be 3-1. It was 2-1, wasn't it? It was. It's it close. You were it close. Was. Very, very. We close. were both very close. We were on bets that you should run a mile from. I said it was going to be a draw. Hurricanes Crusaders. At what one point? Twenty-seven, twenty-six. Oh, I know. Oh, so close, but yet so far away. David Choda's not far away. This uh, break, and then uh, Chody joins the show. Nineteen minutes after eleven o'clock. This is the Saturday session with me, uh, Daniel Charles McCarty, and Grant David Elliott. As to what has been Francis's middle name. We're none the wiser. We want you to suggest uh, options. Double eight, double three. Everyone going in the draw to win a prize pack. Thanks to the wonderful team at Rum and Q. Uh, well done, an unnamed texter, for suggesting Cedric. Don't know what's wrong with Cedric as a name. Wonderful name. Wonderful name. I think it's just. I think you're right. It's that he just doesn't want to be tracked down. Yeah, I, I think he's committed some sort of fraud. Um, that that he doesn't want the authorities to you know to track him down on. David Choate joins us. Not sure if Chody wants to tell us his middle name. Afternoon, morning to you, Chody. Rather, morning, David. Yeah, yeah. Good morning. Nothing too uh, mysterious in my middle name, Anthony. Uh, David Anthony. Anthony. Choate. There you go. Yeah, Tony. Yeah. So, Saint Tony. Yeah. Big Tony. 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 Man. <laughs> Tony. Yeah. It's brilliant stuff, Chody. All right, plenty of uh, action off the field, isn't it, David, as we count down to the Champions League and comings and goings in the world of football. You've got Saudi Arabia throwing huge money around, not only in golf, but in football with, what, um, Ballon d'Or winner Karim Benzema off, uh, N'Golo Kante, of course, you know, heart of those Chelsea and Leicester EPL winning sides. They tried to lure Messi, Modric. Apparently they've nationalised the top four clubs in Saudi Arabia meaning the government now funds those four clubs. Uh, David, and last time I checked, Saudi Arabia has a lot of money. Um, they're quite keen to to make it a legitimate competition, aren't they? Um, Ronaldo going earlier. Can they actually achieve it? How many great players from around the world would we need to pay attention to it? Well, money can't buy your love, Daniel, but it can buy you a whole lot of love, and can it? So uh, I would suggest that the Saudis, if they want to chuck money at stuff, there's no shortage of that. Um, and, uh, you know, how much is too much? Uh, Messi turns it down, but Messi's in the unique position of sort of having uh, the world at his feet, literally. 
um, I would uh, I would be surprised if there would be many others who would have the the wherewithal to turn down some of the money being offered out of the Saudi. It's this manufactured sport again, isn't it? Um, does it buy you the sort of uh, the, the the heritage? It can't do that. Uh, does it buy you the fandom? I'm not sure it can do that. I think you you really need some of those things that are off the field and a bit more. Uh, uh, sort of secondary to the playing of the game to make it a full experience for mine. Yeah, uh, Tony, if you don't mind me calling you Tony. Yeah, it's something that actually later on I'm going to talk about rubbing me up the wrong way. But when you talk about that, I feel like you need to have an affiliation to the city or the country or the franchise that you're playing for. If you don't, then it just it feels watered down and you lose that passion and that fandom that you're talking about. Yeah, I think there's an emptiness to it. I mean, uh, run into a fan of uh, Doncaster, of uh, Gillingham. They are passionate about their, their Gills and they're, they're passionate about uh, their little town, their football club, uh, and they'll turn out uh, come hell or high water. The manufactured game, I'm not so convinced that it captures the imagination. It'll attract some sponsors, dollars, it'll get some revenue. Yeah. But will it ever have the same sort of uh, passion and energy that is created when you've got people who really love their side? As you pointed out, Lionel Messi turned down all that money. Uh, all that money. Granted, he, I think he got forty million euros from PSG last <laughs> season, so he's doing all right. He, he he's doing all right. But how big a a bigger get for the MLS into Miami, yeah. the home of Messi? Yeah, massive. Uh, really good. Um, and again, I think uh, lifestyle suits Messi out that. Uh, neck of the woods, it'll be a place where he can really sort of uh, be put out to pasture in, in, in some real style. Um, it's a, it's a, a career that has been glittering and ending in uh, the US. And uh, if you think about history, did Pelé go the same way? Yes, he did. Um, they, they finished their, their, uh, the greatness in what is, uh, I think, universally accepted as sort of the land of the free and the home of the brave. Um, I think uh, Messi will enjoy his final stri- time to strut his stuff out uh, at Inter Miami. Well, you're on SCNZ Saturday session. You're listening to David Anthony Choate um, about everything football. So, Tony, where I asked uh, Daniel McCarty this question. I said, where would he want to end his broadcasting career? Where would you as a footballer want to end your football career? Where's the ultimate place in City, do you think? Yeah, well, it, it, I mean, it, it's hard when you come from this side of the world where football isn't as sort of uh, universally loved. But uh, if you could end it uh, having strutted your stuff on the biggest stages in the world, I don't think there'd be a sort of a better place than perhaps Miami. Uh, not a bad place. Certainly, it has some appeal over the Emirates or the Saudis. I, I think um, the lifestyle that will be created out there will be, it'll be fine. Um, it, it'll be gentle football. Um, it'll be uh, a nice place to sort of head off into retirement and as well it'll put him in the uh, sponsors windows for a massive market so he'll make some bucks as well so uh, not that that's an issue but for me yeah I think uh, a gentle a gentle finish in the state sounds pretty uh, pretty appealing <laughs> well there, there was um, the former opening bowler from Australia Brett Lee he spoke about Dwight York's finish in uh, um, Sydney obviously and he said... He came, he saw, he conquered. <laughs> there were quite some parties yeah. there, and I'm sure that Miami would be the sort of city. And in fact, there's Major League Cricket there coming up, so that might be a sort of place that uh, cricketers might end up. But I think you're right. Uh, speaking to Daniel McCarty, there does seem like... Uh, or oh, Miami seems like a great finish to your career. 
yeah, I mean, lifestyle, um, the sun shines there plenty. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's got appeal. And he's got enough money in the bank to buy himself a, a reasonable digs, I would imagine. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be living the high life in Miami. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? Indeed. Let's get to some action on the field this weekend. Uh, Manchester City up against Inter Milan in the Champions League final. Manchester City looking to uh, mirror the historic uh, Man United treble winning side from a number of years ago, a generation ago. Just a battling club, Manchester City, of course. You know, only only owned 81% by a nation state themselves. And, you know, that struggling uh, private equity firm, Silver Lake, owning 18%. And don't forget the Chinese government also owns 1% of Manchester City through one of their own private investment funds. But all jokes aside, on the, on the field, David, they have been simply extraordinary, haven't they? And their ability to win in a, in a number of ways, probably what sets them apart from maybe a different iteration of Pep Guardiola's City side. Would you agree with that? Yeah, simply the best, Daniel, they are. There's no question about that. They, uh, they are a side that will go down as one of the greats. Um, the one thing that's missing, and missing for Pep, is the uh, trophy he plays for tomorrow. Um, and uh, it's been a long wait. I think it's the seventh time at the big dance, isn't it? Uh, without picking up a win, uh, this is going to be uh, the crowning moment. If both teams turn up, um, as you say, the wherewithal of Man City and the talent that they have at their disposal, um, this should be a Man City win. If they win, are they the best English club side? Because people love those debates, um, don't they, David? I, I, I'm sort of yawning as I say it, uh, because I, I find these sort of questions a little bit boring, but uh, I, I can just see the headlines throughout all the sort of uh, tabloids in the UK. Is this the greatest uh, English club side ever? Yeah, well, as far as I'm concerned, Muhammad Ali was the greatest, so that's the end of that. Um, but the greatest <laughs> discussions are always one, one for the pub. Um, you know, uh, are they the greatest of all time? Well, they're the best going around at the moment. They're playing football yeah. that is uh, really attractive to watch. And even the FA Cup final last week, which I don't think was the finest game of football, they were clearly the better side. Uh, and they squeak through with a result. You know, not a not a hammering by any stretch, but they are capable of uh, towering up anybody in world football, as we saw on the way through in this competition. They are a very good side when they're at their best. Um, are they the best ever? Why not? They're the best now, aren't they? Yeah. Well, what about Inter, Mil- um, Inter Milan? Is it a, it's sort of a free hit, bizarrely, for them? No one's really expecting much, well, outside of Italy. And those inside the Italian football circles are probably crying out, going, this is a cup side, that, that does extremely well. They're very hard to beat in cup competitions. Just look at their, their trophy cabinet. They, they can win games like this. Uh, do, you, do you see it as yeah, a well, bit Italian, of a free hit for them? Yeah, in some ways. Italians um, love cup football. It's um, that do-not-lose mentality that Italy can uh, conjure up. Uh, Italians are the masters of uh, keeping sides away from their goal. They'll do well to keep um, Man City away from their goal, but... Their manager, Inzaghi, was under pressure, wasn't he, during the year? They, they got beaten, I think, up to a dozen times in the Serie A competition, so they're beatable. Uh, they got beaten by some pretty ordinary sides on the way through. Uh, they've run into a little bit of form late on, and I watched all their goals, Daniel, um, in this competition. They possess a threat from the cross. Um, they definitely get the ball wide and swing it in, and they've yeah. got you know, target men who can receive and turn in the box and swivel and shoot and score, so they... They aren't without their own threat, but I think if they're going to get anything out of it in what is a match no one's expecting them to win, it'll be one of those tight ones. It'd be great if they scored early for me as a neutral. If they score early, that'll make it very difficult for Man City. Hey, uh, Tony, tell me about Erling Haaland. 
If he was not playing for Man City, would they be as dominant as they have been this year? Is it a one-man band? No, I, I don't buy it. I, I think, yeah, look, he's a freak. He scored 50-something goals uh, this season, which is phenomenal. He's been amongst it, and he's capable of sort of the outrageous goals. He's, he's, he's a pest. He's a brute. He's a, he's a Viking. He's, he's all of that. But as we saw in the FA Cup final, if he doesn't score, they've got plenty of others who can. Um, they are talented across the park. Uh, if you look at their side, um, you wouldn't want to be going up against them. You've got the likes of De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, um, Jack Grealish doesn't get the goals, but he's certainly amongst the assists. But they've got enough threat going forward. Um, Gundogan, who saw with the goals in the FA Cup final, they've got enough quality. They're not a one-man side. Um, keeping Haaland quiet will be the key to the game for Inter, no question about that. But they can't spend all their time watching Haaland when you've got those others around them. Oh, the sandied hair. David Choate from back in the day. Left foot, great left foot like Erling Haaland. Amazing hair like Erling Haaland back in the day. That's where the comparisons end. They're right, Tony? Yeah, yeah look, we wouldn't put uh, those two players in the same sentence in any, in any sense. But uh, I tell you what, he, he, is, he is a force of nature. I, he runs like the wind. He's got a stride twice the size of anybody else's. And I tell you, if he was bearing down on you, you'd know about it. Uh, he is a real frightening, frightening player when he's, when he's going good. But as we saw in the FA Cup final, he can be kept relatively quiet on any given day. You're a good man, Dave. You got a prediction? Go on, give us a scoreline. Oh, I, I think Man City, I think they might do it easy. I think they might go in style. Um, but you can't let me go, Daniel, without talking about the Hammers. I've got a 34-year-old son on the other side of the world who I remember crying into his uh, pillow in 2006 when they, they failed to beat that Liverpool side in an FA Cup final. But they finally had their day in the sun, the Hammers. So uh, to all the Hammers fans out there, champions of Europe's conference, you know what you are. That is fantastic. And give my best to Adam. He's waited a long time. And <laughs> Hammers fans have waited 58 years. Fantastic stuff. Thanks, Tony. Go well. Cheers, Tony. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah cheers, guys. <laughs> David Anthony Choate joining us there. Uh, fine footballing minds. Yeah, Adam Choate and the rest of the Hammers fans, well done. Congratulations. That is a long time to wait for a trophy, isn't it? It got me thinking. Do you support a team who's waited long in the 50? I think it's 58 years. I hope I've got that. It's, it's roughly about that. Anyone listening who's got a longer wait for a, for a title than that? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. That's a long time to wait for your team to actually win anything. That is a very, very long time. If you're supporting a team who's currently got a longer streak than that, let us know your name and uh, you know what team they are and how long you've been supporting them. Double eight, double three. Love to get your thoughts. The tank engine's not too far away. We're going to talk some Super Rugby with Thomas Wardrum as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a long wait for uh, a trophy, but it's also a long stay to keep supporting your team. Yeah, you know, and resist the opportunity to go and support someone else. Throw that supporter's shirt in the clothing bin and just change allegiances. Have you seen many people do that? Change allegiances? No, I just can't stand that. No? No. There's a, there, was a few, wrong. there was a few fans that walked out of the Saints game last night, early, members. Because they were getting tanked. Yeah, they? I know. But still, do you walk out early? Oh, the old walkout. Yeah. It's oh, not... i got to beat Wellington traffic Yeah, on I know. a Friday night. You know, it's, you know, it's not great. 12, it's a good 12-minute drive to... You know, to my palace in Seatone. But as a player, you, you really have to take that to heart. 
when the fans walk out early, the Warriors fans wouldn't walk out early. Oh, would no, they? Ben Francis. Are they awake yet, the Warriors fans? Ben Francis has never walked out of a Warriors game. I'm absolutely certain of that. Uh, we will take a short break. It is 27 away from 12. Uh, my humble apologies to West Ham fans. They, of course, won the 1980 FA Cup final grant, the famous, I think you have to say this, the rare-headed goal by Trevor Brooking, a rare-headed goal. Nineteen, so that's forty-three years. Yeah, so I mean, I asked AI. You know, I'm into this AI. It's the cheat. It's not. Yeah, I I had to ask the computer too because my (laughs) beloved Toronto Maple Leafs. I know they last one in '67, and I had to. I couldn't do the maths off the top of my head. You were on a date calculator. (laughs) Calculate the date between. And my beloved. I was trying to get the. I was trying to get the exact date they won it and. But it's roughly 56 years. So the ones that came up on my list was Sheffield United, 85 years and 364 days. They last won um, the League One Championship. Um, 96 so, years? Yeah, so it was from the 1936, FA was... the FA Cup, to then oh. winning the League One Championship in 21-22 of 85 years. That was the top of the list. Wow. And I've got Everton. If, Everton. You're doing, if you're doing the maths, that's definitely not 96 years. That's 85 years, Grant. Yeah. Between 1936 yeah. and 2022. But hey, who's counting? Uh, Thomas Waldrum never had to wait that long for titles. You know, he, he, he reigned. Yeah, it reigned titles in his playing days. I'm saying this because he's on the line waiting to join us. I actually have no idea. How many titles did you win, Thomas? Morning, Thomas. Uh, oh, not too many to count. No, oh, oh, yeah. I think I won two premierships. Oh, and a, bit, yep. a, a lot of semi-finals and finals. A lot of finals for Wellington and didn't quite yes. get over the line yeah. as, as much as we wanted. Um, but that's, yeah, uh, yeah, well, there were there, there were those seven straight finals losses for Wellington in the NPC, for which I don't think we can blame you for all of them, just some of them. Oh, just uh, no, just a couple, just a couple, just a couple, just a couple. Um, yeah, well, can we not bring that up now, please? Yeah, are you out, are you out at kid sport like a good dad? I am. Uh, yes, I am. Good yeah, man. Yeah, I'm at, Who's playing today? Uh, Huddle Boys versus Johnsonville, and then Silverstream versus Tawa College. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, very different age groups. So under 7 and 8, uh, and then under yep. 14 open. They played under 15 open. So, um, yeah, very uh, different games and stuff like that. But uh, enjoyable yep. as well, though. Do your, uh, do your kids listen to you, Thomas, about coaching? And coaching tips. Uh, are you projecting here? Yes. Right? You're projecting. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. A lot, a lot of, a lot of tips on how to do things. But one's a forward and one's a back. So I sort of gravitate around the forward because then the other one's in the back. <laughs> <laughs> all, 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 but all, no all, one has a favourite child. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely not. No, definitely not. But yeah. yeah sort of and then, same, then you go call same. call Uncle Scooter. He played like a a back. <laughs> he was he was never in the tight. Call Uncle Scooter. Oh, yeah, but he had terrible hands as well. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't catch a cold, that bloke, could he? I know you watched uh, yeah. a little bit last night. The the Blues were always going to beat the Waratahs, despite, you know, the early body shot the Blues, uh, so the Waratahs uh, got on them. But 30-plus unanswered points with, I thought, quite an impressive Bowden Barrett, which we haven't seen a lot this year for one reason or another. Blues would be pretty happy with that last night. <laughs> Yeah, I think they definitely will. They're probably a bit disappointed in the first half. I think they were just a bit trying too much and um, probably playing in the wrong area, especially in a like quarterfinal. And that's what the quarterfinal, semifinal, the finals. You you want to you want to be doing the stuff that is going to um, gear to the 
to the big dance, as they say. Um, so I think they're pretty, pretty little disappointed. But then they sort of they clicked into their rhythm and got everything sorted. And yeah, definitely Bodie stepped up. But you saw Constables and doing it um, against the, the Crusaders when they went down there and stuff. And you know, he's a class player, and you, and you know he's got got the skills to turn on when he needs to. And um, yeah, I think they'll, they'll be happy with the end result uh, from last night to move forward anyway. Well, because you've got two kids' games today, you're going to bank a lot of brownie points today, I would have thought, uh, today, Tom. So I'm not sure if you've got enough brownie points to actually burn through three straight games <laughs> later today. It's a monster day, isn't it? Absolute monster oh, day. Yes, Chiefs, up, Chiefs up against Reds. Now, the Reds beat the Chiefs at this very venue not that long ago, right? But completely different team the Chiefs are playing. But what about, you know, the psychology of sports people? Well, will the Reds believe you, you think that they can repeat the dose um no i don't think so no I, like, I, I, that's the thing they on their day they're, they're good um and that's the thing whoever turns up on the day normally goes uh does the right things and gets the results but oh that's yeah oh but at the end of the day you sort of have to, have to give them credit for what they've done and stuff as well yeah so thomas uh with the i just want to talk about the Blues just quickly before the um, the Chiefs and oh, the, the Reds. Um, that was probably the most complete performance that they've had, hasn't it? Leading into playoffs. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And so looking ahead, though, the Chiefs and the the Reds. You say Chiefs are up there. I'm looking at my multi later on oh, today. Right, here we go, here we and go. I always ask my... <laughs> Crowdsourcing 101. I, I always ask my experts advice, and I'm getting close. I feel like the first experts I asked, we were 20% there on yeah. my multi. Yeah. The next one, we were 60%. So I feel like we're getting closer and closer. Well, I'll give you a, I'll give you a tip, and I'm sure Thomas will agree. Uh, the... The Chiefs and Crusaders paying a dollar oh four. They're quite warm favourites. Yeah, I know, but I oh, want to yeah. know by how many. I uh, want to know by how many points. Are we going to go thirteen plus? Yes. So Chiefs and Reds, you definitely got the Chiefs. This is this is Thomas Waldrum, the greatest predictor in the history of this program. <laughs> R- remember that, Grant, and you're putting him on the spot. He's not a chance to think like he did that time when he put the All Blacks in England to draw. He actually got the draw right. He's the greatest predictor in the history of this program, and you're putting him on the spot. Well, Thomas, I predicted a draw last weekend, and Hurricanes, Crusaders, and it was 27-26. Yeah. I came close. So I feel like I'm onto something right. big okay. here. So Chiefs and Reds, you've got the Chiefs winning that one, and are you going 1-12 or 13-plus? Nah, 13-plus. 13 13-plus 13 for both teams. 13-plus. Yeah. Both teams. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and then no, how about the, the Canes and the Brumbies? Well, oh. well, we'll get to his prediction at the end of this, because I'd like to know, Thomas Waldrum, at this time of year, do you introduce yourself as former Crusader or <laughs> former Hurricanes <laughs> player? And do you introduce yourself as a former Crusaders player only once the Hurricanes get knocked out? Or is it the uh, other way around? Or it depends uh, who you're speaking yeah. to. It depends. No, I'm just a super rugby player. I normally introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then if they go into detail... And then I was probably always, oh, yeah, I, I, I had five in the Hurricanes, a couple in the Crusaders. <laughs> so I sort of mixed it in and let them, let them, let them decide right. of, uh, the, of course. the way they're going to uh, take it. Brumby's Cruc- uh, Canes tonight. It is the it is the game of the round. Uh, it's the one that I'm finding hard to pick. I remember last year vividly. Grant didn't even remember 
the, the Canes conceding 20 unanswered points over the final 25 minutes when they're a man it. up after the, the Brumbies had a red card. Brumbies at home. I, I, I think a lot of New Zealand rugby fans are looking beyond the, the Brumbies, which is a bit dangerous, right? I, I give them a great chance tonight, don't you? The, the Hurricanes? No, the, the Brumbies. It seems a lot oh, of people, oh, yeah, and oh, the TAB reflects yeah, that. The, you know, the Canes are easy, you know, pretty good, you know, warm favourite. Uh, yeah, I'll give the Brumbies a, a bit of a chance because they're at home and Canberra is one of those um, places you don't really want to visit uh, on a holiday destination. So then you for the Canes can just concentrate on, on rugby because there's not much to do there. Well, no, they've got a good retro NRL top uh, shop they have. I call myself a North Sydney Bears, old school 86, I think. Brilliant. League jersey. Oh, oh, love it. Love Greg Florimo um, in, ba- in the backyard. Last in the... Gavin Larson running around there. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, other, other, other than that, but um, no, well, that's the thing. I really enjoyed the Hurricanes last week. Um, uh, especially Dane. Dane giving it to the Crusaders and just getting that niggle. Oh, I loved it how he was saying to Lester, oh, Nuku, oh, you just, you're taking the money, mate, and then getting to Cody Taylor's head. And that's, oh, that's just classic Colsey. And, you can see them lift from that pretty much straight away, and I hope hopefully he does the same again today. And um, gives it, yeah, well, listen, they've got nothing to lose over the Brumbies, and just give it all they've got. That was a really impressive second half against the Crusaders. What can just for one forty-minute spell do for a team's self-belief when the next weekend you're into a knockout game? Oh, massive, massively! It's all about confidence. Rugby players, it is about us sort of getting momentum, everyone on the same same sheet, and building from there, and, that, and that's what it looks like at the moment. Um, that second half, and I think you probably saw some emotion as well from the coaches. I saw from uh, Big Gibbo there, got annoyed at a couple of the line-outs not going right, and then that's that's what you want to see, because yeah, sometimes you, know, you see the coach in the box, just same old miserable faces and stuff. You want to you want to <laughs> see some passion, and that's what the boys are, and that's what, they, that's what we're trying to do on the field. You're trying to get things right and do everything, so... Um, yeah, that's, yeah, as I said, they've got nothing to lose. They will go out and play the game and be confident of, of what they put on the Crusaders last week. So, Thomas, if I'm hearing correctly, if Dane Coles brings the niggle, brings the heartbeat to the team, you're predicting Hurricanes 1-12? to 12. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hurricanes 1-12. to 12. I'm, I'm, yeah. Probably it's right. going to be gonna... like a 20, yeah. 21 uh, 17 to, uh, to the Crusaders. Yeah. Now, now, if I know anything, if I know anything about uh, my dear friend Grant David uh, Elliott next to me here, um, there might be a message about half past eleven bagging you out to our private uh, WhatsApp. Saying, can't believe that Wardrop. He knows nothing about the game. He knows nothing about the game. Bloody experts. Bloody experts. Thomas, great to hear your voice, my friend. Hopefully, we can catch up again uh, again real soon in a huge year for rugby. Go enjoy your kids' sport. Thanks so much for taking our call. Thanks, Thomas. No, no worries, guys. No worries. and really enjoy it. So I'll catch you boys soon. Thomas Wardrum, who really is, he's so fun to talk to, isn't he? It's, you always to see, I always visualise Thomas with that big smile of, smile of his. You know, he just really does seemingly enjoy life and great to hear him out uh, in the community uh, following his uh, kids' sport. 11 away from 12 o'clock is the time. Got to take a break. Back with more after this. I think by now people would know how the show goes. We don't take ourselves or sport too seriously. No, it's Saturday. Not. It's the weekend. It's for fun. Normally, we ask you what's rubbed you the wrong way this week, and you can win some amazing quality product thanks to the magnificent team at Rum 
and Q. If you're unaware, Rum and Q have award-winning rubs, sauces, and seasonings. Now, we threw this out, um, and if something has rubbed you the wrong way and you have a mobile phone, text us double eight double three. Or if you don't have a phone, you can get a message to us somehow, some way. Someone has done that, Ben Francis. Someone who doesn't have a phone wanted to enter. Yeah, so to enter our competitions, you usually have to text in, or when we send them out, you need to you receive a text message. And uh, Donald rang through, and his rubbed the wrong way. Landline. Was it? He can't he can't text in or yeah. receive a prize if he does win. I love that. Donald has it was rubbed him the wrong way, as he can't enter our rub the wrong way competition. Donald, I love you, and I, I hope we we can fix this somehow, some way. It wasn't Yunus, my bus driver from Pakistan, on his Nokia sixty one ten, was it? <laughs> Well, he's driving with no, one Donald, hand and texting Donald has no other. mobile phone. He used a landline. Brilliant. Paul Ben. Incredible. Absolutely love that. Uh, we want you to come up with the best suggestion for Ben Francis's middle name. He won't tell us. And there's great mystery. Potential scandal in there. I've gone to AI. And I know. We'll, AI. We'll, get, we'll get some AI uh, knowledge dropped on us after um, midday. It's five minutes away from. We're about to head off to a break in 60 seconds. A couple of our suggestions have come through. Cedric, you don't don't understand why that's. Uh, we asked Mark to clarify what left quit means. Apparently, it means your left nut. Good old. Uh Ben Francis. Do you know anyone called Nige? Uh, I know a Nigel, but not that. I've never referred to them as a Nige. Okay, so this is probably not accurate then. I reckon Ben was traumatized by his nicknames, Barf, B A R F, because his middle names are Adolf Ripper. Uh, cheers, Ben. From Nige. Thank you very much, Nige. I, I do appreciate this. And this is probably my favourite right now. Uh, from Anthony. Brilliant. Tony. It goes on and on and on and on. And it starts off with Ben Wayne Barnes Francis. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. Yes, I'm still not over it. I will give you Anthony's sermon after the break. But keep your suggestions rolling through to double eight double three. Um Ben Francis's middle name. We want to know what it is. Uh, if you've got a suggestion, we'll put everyone in the draw to win a prize pack thanks to Rum and Q. We've hit the hour, Mark, the 12 o'clock hour. We're into the final hour of the show. We roll through to 1 o'clock. We've got a big show. We've had a great show, haven't we? Yeah, it's Thomas Wardrum's just been on. David Choate's just been on. It's always a good show. Hamish Bennett's going to join us shortly. To Oh, you know, he's working for the enemy now, isn't he? Behind enemy lines Behind in enemy Australia. Lines. Hey, but gee, we've got a big name. I, I must admit, Grant, it was really good working with this guy in the last few weeks. It, it's good to actually finally work with a professional broadcaster. <laughs> okay. it, it really was. Thanks, it, it was Tony. great. It was great. It was great. Uh, who, <laughs> that's the second time you've given me a dig. I'm actually... Well, I did that to Kempe. Old Dax, who phoned in or texted in... Uh, no, he phoned in last weekend. You said that he should join you as co-host. Well... It's all about trying to motivate you to uh, improve performance. Uh, the Beaver, Stephen Donald, uh, was great doing uh, the run home with him for another another, another few weeks. He, he's just dropped in. Mate, the, the internet is awash with rumours about Stephen Donald. Um, and if we can get a line-up, um, we, we're going to go directly to uh, Stephen Donald here of the 2011 World Cup. You might have heard uh, SCNZ home of the 2023 Rugby World Cup. Is, has he just woken up like all the Warriors fans who are still in the scratcher? I know. Not celebrating the 300th game of they, they, uh, Jared They were Cocker. a little bit slow out of the gate, weren't they? Yeah, they're just, uh, we, we were expecting the phone lines to just be flooded this morning. 
flooded with Warriors fans. There's been the text messages, probably because they can't talk. Voice is a little bit croaky. A little bit croaky. They've already celebrated the top eight finish. Yeah. Well, if, if we can't get a connection with uh, Stephen Donald, um, it's a real shame because there are rumours that he's playing today. Oh, there's rumours he's playing today. Back out I, of I'm, retirement. I'm not, I'm not sure he can hear us. He can't hear us. I, I know he's getting the. He's, you know, he's obviously done his hair. His hair's good. He's like he's about to put the gel in the hair, and he's ready to go. He's got the Adidas jumper on. He's I, ready to go. I don't. He, he, look, he looks very excited about playing rugby today, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't think he's one of those players that I'm not going to mention names. Yeah. but there were some players that used to get hair straighteners out. No, I'd, I'd imagine he wouldn't have gone to the to the barber before a game. No, or a bit of makeup. Yeah. Some players just hiding some blemishes on the skin. Uh, he's the sort of player just gets out of the scratcher, a little bit of a shower, gets to the game and just does the yards, doesn't he? Does the hard yards. It looks like he's trying to do the hard yards at the moment on camera, trying to get connected. Because I'd love to actually find out about this rumor, Daniel. I love rumors, the rumor, and he does look like he's in. Game mentality. He looks down at his keyboard. But that would be um, a great little revelation. Beaver he is. He's, he's playing club footy, apparently. Brendan McCullum obviously plays uh, club footy for Matter Matter. And um, I'm thinking of oh, no, making no. a comeback for the Veterans League. Oh, you're making a comeback. Now, now, now I can hear myself talking to myself. Should we part this, Ben? Yeah, our apologies. I don't know what's going on. Gremlins in the system. Um, but we were going to get we we're going to Beaver on. He was kind enough. He went on the headset. He was ready to go. Yeah, it's a good shame. Luck. Good luck, Beef. We're rooting for you. Yeah, is he? Over goes well. Oh, he's definitely playing this. He's so playing the thumbs today. up. He's the playing. thumb he's was up. Us the thumbs up. Well, get down. Where's he playing? Oh. All SNZ fans have got to get out to the ground and support Beaver. Um, with he's his comeback. Club footy today. Does that mean he's making? Is there a Saudi rugby league happening or something that Ooh. we don't know about? You might be onto something. Or, oh well, there's always these legends games happening. Which we do apologise. Thanks very much for trying, um, uh, Ben Francis. Um, you know, it's live radio. Sometimes these things don't work. Beaver ha- actually had to go. He actually had to go. So he only had the smallest of windows. Boots on. Um, he clearly has not put gel on the hair yet. No, and that's obviously the last thing he does. Uh, wherever he may be playing, very good luck to Stephen Beaver Donald, who's playing club footy yeah, today. Really good luck. Yeah, I'd imagine that's probably senior club footy too, isn't it? He's probably not going to, you know, drop down and be a bully boy. I'd be nervous though because people go, they'll see that as a target. They go, you know what? Today, okay. I want to actually be able to go into the pub and tell my mates that I clotheslined Stephen Donald. Oh come on! I would have thought, you know, dummy gone on the inside and scored is better than hurting someone. Well, I don't know. There'd be some club bullies out there. Well, you've had a few club bowlers obviously bowl short. Of yeah. course. Yeah. And they give you a proper send-off as well. Is the first one always short? No. but I'm sort of leaning on the back foot? I did have a, a mate that used to play, and he was at the twilight of his career, Stephen Jack, and he was more of an opening bowler than an opening batter, but he opened the batting in, um, in, in club cricket. And he, um, he used to walk past the young, fast bowler, and he used to say to the opening batter, he used to go, you know, Tubby, I've really struggled with the short one this year. It just hurries me on a little bit. Just an earshot of the young fast bowler. And then the young fast bowler would drop one short and he'd hit him out the park and he'd walk past him tapping the pitch and he'd go, 
You're obviously new in this league, Sonny. (laughs) (laughs) That is brilliant. That is fantastic. All right, we are five minutes after 12 o'clock. It is time for the latest in sports headlines. And the Warriors crashed Jared Croker's 300th game party with an emphatic 36 points to 14 win um, over the Raiders in the NRL last night. The former Raider, Sean's Nicol Klockstad, and playmaker Supremo, Sean Johnson. He's in some form, isn't he? I don't even really talk about him between 10 and 11. He was running hot. The Warriors turned a two-point halftime deficit into the eighth win of the season. What, five second half tries? The Warriors have the weekend off before facing the Dragons on June 23. Meanwhile, the Seagulls crushed the Dolphins 58 points to 18. The Blues dominated the Waratahs to book entry into the uh, semi-finals of Super Rugby Pacific thanks to a 41-20, sorry, 41-12 victory over uh, the Waratahs at Eden Park. Uh, the Waratahs... Scored the first try two and a half minutes in, but then it was 38 straight points for the Blues. They wait their winner of the Crusaders Druid clash, while the other quarterfinal sees the Chiefs host the Reds before the Brumbies host the Hurricanes in the last game. And India have a glimmer of hope with a stirring fight back in their minds against Australia after three days of the World Test Championship final at the Oval. Australia 123 for four. In their second innings, they lead by 296 on a pitch that has still offered something for the bowlers. India are still in the contest, but only just, really. Only just. Trailing by 296 runs and still needing six wickets uh, to wrap up Australia's uh, second innings. So uh, I started off the show by congratulating Australia on becoming the second side to win the World Test Championship. New Zealand still uh, holders of the World Test Championship for the time being. And remember, remember, we all remember who climbed Everest second, don't we? No, we don't. Should we ask? We'll always remember. We'll always remember who won it first. We won't remember who won it second. Yeah. So well done, Australia. On winning second. Let's get to more suggestions for uh, Ben Francis's middle name. This one is from Anthony, and I think Anthony, right? I don't. I, we have no influence on who wins this grant, but I'm going to politically lobby for Anthony right now. Well, I think if anyone gets publicly it, too correct, has anyone got it correct yet, Ben Francis? Anyone got it nowhere near? Anyone no. in the ballpark? No, not no. even the correct letter. You're not even going to tell us at the end of the show, are you? It's just going to be a complete letdown for the listeners. Time will tell, Daniel. Time will tell. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, this one has been Wayne Barnes Francis. What a great way to open a message. Yes, I'm still not over it. Ha <laughs> ha, that bloody boundary count back. The only time I cried watching sport as the BZ started to wear off in the wee small hours and the heartbeat was kicking in. I still hear World Cup and still pisses me off. The rugby heartbreak got better with winning 2011 and 2015. Hope the same for the Black Caps. Rant is over. Love your show, guys. Have a good day. But Anthony wasn't finished. He then texts back saying, who decides the World Cup final on a bloody boundary count back? Like, really? Well, they've changed that rule now, Anthony. I love you, Anthony. Tony. Anthony, you're a great human being. He is. That's exactly how I feel about it to this day. It's just brought back the vivid memory of me watching Don't tell me to get that me. 2019 World Cup and Wimbledon on the same screen. I was in Bali, all places, and... Um, I just, I still can't believe it. I still cannot believe that 2019. I, it, it's a sporting event that, as a New Zealander, when it pops up on the screen, you turn it off. It's angry. the greatest game of all time oh, in one-day cricket, but it is, I mate. can't watch it. I, I cannot I watch so it. I would so love to have been a neutral. 
Yeah. What an incredible game. Oh, no. I'm starting to get a hit. I'm just getting this pain behind my left eye. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Uh, and Tim writes, hi, guys. Uh, they interviewed a guy on Smithy's show. Apparently, there is a player fund that BGA could use to play some players, but it's also a commercial decision. Each and every player made to go or stay. It's a bit rich for Rory to now be beating about uh, outcome. That outcome was inevitable given the money that was involved. Do appreciate your perspective, Tim, on that one. And uh, morning, boys. I think his middle name is Leroy. Writes Costa. Leroy. Bad, bad. Benjamin Leroy, Leroy Francis. Yeah, it's got a good ring to it, isn't it? Uh, yeah, if it's, it, got, if it's it, got some legs. If it was Leroy, boys, I would happily put it out there. Yeah. That, that, that's the only issue with Costa's suggestion. That's a darn cool middle name. Well, if he likes Leroy, I wonder what, what, what it is. A little bit more exciting than David. Yeah. <laughs> or Charles. David's my dad's name. It's a great name. Charles, but it's like, it's a little bit, yeah. you know, down the middle, isn't it? I'm bagging out my own middle name too, Grant. Charles. DC. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Hamish Bennett joins us after the break. Oh, I'm looking forward he's to Hamish behind, Bennett. Oh, he's behind enemy lines. Isn't okay. he, the former black hat fast bowler? And Hamish Bennett and I, you all know this because you played part dad, of the dad's, dad's army. Yeah. And he was one of the young bucks in the dad's at army. 32 at the time or something. No, I think he was even younger than that. And because um, I was 35, 36 and you were bagging us saying that we were has-beens and washed up cricketers and and um, sending, you, sending you photos of dad's army with your phone. That was funny with, with our faces. faces. <laughs> did you take a lot of enjoyment in that? Just riling us up. I did. And I spurred you on to victory. Spurred us on to victory. We were we were dead and buried. And then suddenly won six in a row. Experience. And we were at Pukekura Park. I do remember that one. Yeah. That was, it was brilliant. And brilliant. Um, Hamish Bennett was a big part of that. He was a big part of that uh, that win. Fantastic fast bowler, but he's also a sensational recruit for Wellington. His, his numbers, mm. the second part of his career, um, awesome stuff. Well, he's now coaching in uh, Queensland, isn't yes. he? Yeah, yeah, so we head to Queensland. He's a great Australian now. Hamish Bennett after the break. Sixteen after twelve o'clock. This is the Saturday session, of course, here on SENZ. Full coverage of the World Test Championship continues later tonight with Australia on the way to becoming the second ever side uh, to do it. The second uh, team to climb Everest. So we won't remember them in the future, will we, uh, Grant Elliott? Uh, let's catch up with a man who knows one or two things about playing international cricket. Timaru's finest. by well, Canterbury and Wellington, of course, but these days, coaching in Australia. Hamish Kyle Bennett joins the show. How are you, Hamish? Kyle. Yeah, good morning from Australia and good afternoon over there. Yeah, how are the lads going? All good? We're yeah, we, we are excellent. Hamish, Carl, we've been talking about middle names. We're trying to find out what uh, Ben, our producer's <coughs> middle name is. Ben Francis, we're not too sure. We're getting some recommendations. Cedric Adolf's one of them. But um, you're behind enemy lines at the moment in Australia. How difficult is it being behind enemy lines during a time like this where you find Australia versus India in a World Test Championship, the only Test Championship uh, trophy which we are actually home to and current world champions of? It must be tough going. It is tough going, Grant David. Um, just to go back a step, um, I think he couldn't be Adolf, could he? Because that's illegal, isn't it? To be named any child with that sort of name. So you can probably scrap that one off the, uh, off the list. Yeah, New Zealand. Well, I'm glad you've been paying attention to our uh, hot button topic of the day. You know us, Hamish. We, we really do get to the big issues. Yeah, 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 you are. But um, to get back to your serious side of it, Grant, um, yeah, it's pretty painful. 
um, listening <laughs> to them. I'm actually, thankfully, I'm actually currently in Darwin um, working with Papua New Guinea as they try to qualify for the Under-19 World Cup. So I'm a little bit away from a lot of the Australians, but still getting a lot of text messages. Um, and they've sort of moved on to now that um, baseball can't work. So they're, they're hot on that theory again. So it's, I can't wait for the Ashes. So that they're already got their eyes on the Ashes. But before we move to uh, the more serious cricket, uh, there's probably more serious things going on with you. How are Papua New Guinea under-19s looking? They're looking good? Look like uh, they're going to qualify? Well, unfortunately, New Zealand didn't go to the last World Cup because of COVID. So New Zealand's here as well. So they're probably going to qualify. If they don't, then either all the players have got to get sacked or the coaches have got to get sacked, one or the other. Um, <laughs> we're, we're looking... Um, we're looking pretty good for those nations um, out of Fiji, Samoa, Indonesia, Japan, Vanuatu. We're a pretty good side um, if you compare us to those other nations. So I think um, if we if we beat New Zealand, then we've climbed Everest a couple of times, I reckon. So we're very athletic, got good arms, um, pretty good bowling. It's just that I think what the island nations just miss is that, as you've experienced, Grant, with um, Zion and Flinny and Dan, your, your experience with your kids, is just that growing up of going to cricket every week and doing batting drills and doing bowling drills, just those fundamentals you learn over sort of, that the New Zealand kids would have learned over 10, 12 years of playing cricket. Um, just don't get that in, in Papua New Guinea. So you sort of just, you know, you're just trying to make the most of their natural talent and just trying to teach them as sort of things you can that are realistic for them to, to go out and execute on, on the game day. So it's been it's been great fun, mate. And we're in Darwin, the hottest place on earth. It's about 9.45, 9.50. It's already 31 degrees. So it's um, oh, you know, melting beautiful. away here. <laughs> well, it's four degrees here when I woke up this morning. Uh, I miss you'll be missing that. But luckily, they've got your coaching yeah. prowess over there. But let's move to the World Test Championship. I want to ask you something from a bowler's point of view. There was an interesting stat. India won the toss, and there were two things there. They won the toss, they bowled. It did look like a bowler-friendly wicket. The other thing is they left out Ravi Ashwin, number one test bowler in the world, number two all-rounder in the world. Um, but they only they bowled 9% of their deliveries were hitting the stumps on day one. Did they miss a trick? Uh, I think... If I think they must have looked at the pitch and then thought that's the lineup they're going to go after four seamers, leave Ashwin out, purely thinking that Australia would bat first and purely thinking that they're a hundred percent chance of bowling if they were going to win the toss and bowl and Australia were going to bat. I just think they're going to have to revisit, and I know it's a big one and they probably won't be able to do it. But they're going to, if they're going to keep making the final, the World Test Championship, they're going to have to revisit what they do around the IPL. I think these guys come off too much. Um, they don't probably come off enough sort of time in the legs or enough bowling. Yeah. I know you say you can do it. Mm. I know you say you can do it, but with an overseas coach like Ricky Ponting um, said on the coverage last night, um, someone asked him if he talked much to David Warner about the World Test Championship, and he sort of joked and said, don't know if you watched Delhi season, but I was worried about the next game. I wasn't worried about the World Test Championship. I couldn't care less about it. So wow. you think of what the, coach, what the coaches are thinking at the time um, of their IPL season, and you're trying to keep your bowlers' energies energy levels up with 14 games. How do you actually get them to get the Duke's ball in their hand, have a set of 10, 15 overs in a day, actually get used to bowling the top of off stump again? Um, it's actually a bit of a harder art. I know it would sound ridiculous, but it's a little bit of a harder art coming out of T20 where your brain's always thinking, right, what am I going to do next? Do I need to bowl a slide ball? Do I need to bowl a Yorker? Do I need to bowl a yeah. bouncer? Am I, how am I going to go for one run here? As opposed to just locking yourself into getting your action 
back to the I mean, the most pure it can be and actually just focusing on hitting the top of off stump mm. for a long period of time and then backing up the next day and doing it again. I think that's when India missed a trick on that. So I think, yeah, in hindsight, they were obviously, even if they bowled first, I think you could have played Ashwin with strength in your batting um, and then probably get rid of um, Yadish. Yeah, who's delivered a bit of a mixed bag. They, they did play the number one test all-rounder, though, Grant. They, they left out the number two uh, all-rounder. They got the number one in, in Ravi Jadeja. My notes, 23 overs in the first session, 28 in the second. When conditions are at their best. Hamish, can you explain to me, when conditions are at the best after you've inserted a side, for somehow, someway, by T, you've only bowled 51 overs. Surely, I knew you would have been in a position where you're bowling more than... You're going to bowl more than 51 overs in the first two sessions. You don't want to be in a position where you bowl 34 overs in the final session and go at 4.62 runs and over, concede 157 runs uh, without the loss of a wicket. C- can you speed through your overs and still make them, you know, a high enough standard to, to threaten the top order when you know the sun is coming? Um, I totally agree with you. You've got to get through your overs better. Um, something that probably a few people are laughing at now. With me mentioning that, I was never great at that. But, um, <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> I think that I think what we're actually missing and what people don't bring up because it's obviously sponsorship dollars is I think we could get, actually get rid of the drinks breaking test cricket, but we'll never get rid of it because of the sponsorship dollars and also DRS. Yep. So you look at the amount of time that the drinks breaking DRS takes; it's a huge amount of time um, during the actual only two hours that you've got. So I think we need to figure out a way of actually either extending the sessions to two hours ten or something like that to actually give ourselves some more time so there's not that big. Because we need to get 90 overs in a day. Like, I think people pay their money. We just need to figure out a way to get 90 overs in, in the day. Whether the, the last session just goes timeless until you bowl your 90, but there needs to be something to get those 90 overs in. Because it and that makes for a better game as well. Like, you want to yeah. see the second new ball come in on that, on that day. You want to see that you know at the end of the day, wicket full and new batter come in vulnerable. So, I know in New Zealand first class cricket years ago we got rid of the drinks breaks and the over rates just went through the roof and the overtime that we did actually just went down because it was a minimum of three overs you were going to make up and often if you're going through the middle session or the end session there's some spin on so you actually made up a couple of overs so without having a drinks break you actually made up about five overs of time yeah. and you can just get drinks on the boundary and there's 12 men running in and out and all the sort of all that sort of stuff so we need to figure out but a way to do but it but it's about but the keep, bowling keep team the sponsorship dollars. it's more yeah, it's more about the bowling team. Is there any talk around, like, let's get through as many overs as possible in the first three hours? From the captain, because he doesn't want to be suspended, yes, depending on how... But you want to get wickets. The... You're more likely oh, to get wickets in the first three hours than the second three hours. Of course, the pitch is green, you win the toss, you decide to bowl, you, and you bowl four 20, seamers. And you bowl 23 overs before lunch. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I, I really yeah, do stop. get your point. It's, and it's, yeah. it, it didn't strike me as particularly smart. No. Uh, my notes on Travis Head. Let's not uh, forget about him, Hamish. Uh, got going straight away. Nothing timid about his batting. Bat hits ball. He, you know what I mean? He goes at, he goes at it. And I've got notes here. Ramps, cuts, drives, slashes. He'll play all of them. He's all action, isn't he? He's yeah. not the prettiest, but he's darn effective. Well, you're going to have a giggle at this. I read an article the other day in Australia. Apparently, he invented baseball. It was Trev ball, and apparently Brendan stole the idea from oh. him. So, okay. like the Pavlova. So, yeah, yeah, Sir Vivian yeah, says hello to everyone. Hello. Sir Vivian says hello. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I think um, yeah, you're right, plays all the shots. But India did expose on that next morning of day two um, the short ball um, actually early in his innings. So, 
I think that would be something the English would be watching, um, trying to expose that short ball and actually get up him straight away. I think he likes to play it when he's in, but not when not when he's uh, early into the uh, early into his innings. So that's something that they'll they'll use. But he played a great innings. I think what it showed was <clears throat> on that surface you probably didn't see last night because you were been sleeping. Way Siraj bowled to Labuschagne, just balls just absolutely going through the top, wrapped him on the gloves sort of two or three times, hit him on the pads, made him fall over. Um, Labuschagne did really well to stay not out and bat the way he did. So I think actually on that wicket, people talk about how it's hard. I actually think you're better to play shots when the wicket's actually difficult. You're going to get yourself in better positions. You're actually going to look to score. Yeah, you're just going to be in better positions. You're actually going to be a better judge of what you can and can't play, what to leave. So I think Travis played that really well in the first inning. So hopefully India take that same mindset going into the second inning and trying to to win the game. Yeah, uh, one of the things, uh, Hamish, that that we're seeing in Test cricket, and you mentioned, or Daniel mentioned, uh, Travis Head, uh, just being really attacking. Ben Duckett, um, when he scored his, his 150 recently, he has only left eight balls in his 605 Test runs since rejoining the test side. He's left at eight. He's only left eight deliveries. Now, Rigger just crashed his car listen to that. <laughs> if that stat is correct. Well, I mean, he, wouldn't be listening we to, seeing... he wouldn't be listening to today, would he? <laughs> <laughs> but, but Hamish, if that's correct, I mean, are we seeing, you know, a whole new way of playing test cricket? Because Steve Smith came out and he said, Baz ball will not work in these conditions because like you said, the pitch was a little bit up and down. Said these conditions, you cannot play like that. How do you feel about that? He also mentioned the fact he's very interested to see how they go against the Australian attack, and I think yes. that's the most important point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you look at Judasia's innings. I know he got forty odd, but it was almost close to run a ball. You look at um, when actually the tail enders came out last night for India, and they actually played some shots. How how much easier the wicket actually looked. They actually looked in control for half an hour or so in that period. Look at the way Travis Head played. I actually think. Yeah, maybe maybe every time Duckett leaves the ball, he has to buy uh, bags of beer. So maybe that's why he's not leaving too many. But I think it's just the way the amount of white ball cricket you play, and you're always looking to score. As you would know, Grant, when you scored that 100 in Scotland when you rode, rode your bat like a pony, was that you, <laughs> you're, always, you're always looking to score. So you're actually in better positions. You're actually better. You're actually just your body weight. Everything's just you're not timid. You're actually looking to get into the ball. And you're just looking to score, and that's just the diet of what people are playing at the moment. They're playing T20, they're playing the hundred, they're playing um, yeah, what, uh, the one day cricket as well. So I just think if you're in good positions and you can score runs, then why wouldn't you? As opposed to just looking to stay and bat for for as long as you can. Australia actually, which I was surprised in coming over here, actually pretty traditional in the way they play the game. They like to defend, give the first session to the bowlers. They're sort of they're not too sure about attacking the bowlers. They they pay a lot of respect to the conditions and to the bowlers. So I actually think no one's ever spoke about in the media. They've always spoke about what happens if Bears ball goes wrong. Well, would, at least they're going to go down as Brendan always, would always say to us, Grant. At least we're going to die going up. You know, we're not going to die on a hole. We're going to go. We're going to die swinging, as opposed to how England died in Australia last Ashes. They died in a hole. And it was terrible to watch. And also, yeah, no one's well. ever spoken about what happens, what happens if it does work. What happens if England get 550 on the first day to clear and have Australia one down overnight? What's Australia going to do? Well, no one's ever spoken about that because apparently it will, it will never happen. But it's brave to say it won't happen over five tests. That's, that's my opinion. Well, I mean, that's talking about the Ashes. Let's talk about mm. the World Test Championship now. And 
how they going. Keep getting, Australia. Keep, keep getting kicked. No. Well, I mean, behind oh, enemy you, lines, we, they, that's what they're talking about. I'm giving India a 0% yeah. chance of winning this this game from here on in. At the TAB, $1.26. And Australia. You put money on Australia. Yeah. Australia. Pretty good return. Australia leading by 296 runs at the moment. And um, I'd say that the most ever chase test score, which I'm looking at now, was in 2003 was West Indies versus Australia in Antigua, where West Indies won mm. by three wickets, and that was 418. Yes, mm. and some guy, Lara probably was playing, right? Brian Charles. Oh, when, when, when was it? What year? Yeah, Brian, Brian Charles. Charles got runs. Of course, Brian yeah. Charles, um, 68. Uh, Fourth innings, mate. And 60. Two sixties. You doubted me. Two sixties. Sixty. And some guys, Sarwan and Chanderpool got hundreds. Yeah, they could, that Chanderpool could play. Anyway. So so are you giving uh, either of you well, who played at the highest level what's, what's, are you giving India much chance, play? any chance? What's the uh, draw? The draw. Apparently there's a little bit of ra- there's a little bit of rain around today. So if, so if anyone's got a sneaky little couple of dollars, apparently there's a little bit of rain around London today, so the draw could be a chance, but I, I probably agree with you, Daniel. I'll give them 1% so um, Lloyd Christmas doesn't go against me. But right. I think um, – <laughs> but I, I think, um, I think yeah, I think it's Australia's test to lose. I think you're right. If Australia don't win from here, then um, it will bring a lot of doubts into that ashes that we won't speak about. We'll go back to the World Test Championship. Sorry, Grant. And I think that um, – I think India – yeah, it's a big big mountain to climb. They're going to have to take a lot of early wickets. They're going to have to bowl Australia out within the first session, probably in the first hour or so to actually be in the game. And I think, as Justin Langer said last night on, comment, on commentary, they don't actually – Australia won't be looking at the runs. All their medical, te- medical team wants is them with 24 hours of no bowling. So once that 24 hours is up, then I think you can expect Australia to, to clear just maybe just after lunch, half an hour or so after lunch, and then come in and try and – take three or four poles before day five. So, yeah, India, huge mountain to climb, and you'd you, you give you'd probably give them no chance, as they would say over yeah, here. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with both of you. I think they had the opportunity when they won the toss. They could select the team they wanted on a nice green wicket, and 9% of the deliveries hit the stumps. So I think uh, it's going to be an uphill battle. Something really spectacular has to happen, but... A draw? I don't think so, Hamish. You know what those English conditions are like. They've got uh, covers like they do in Gaul. And I turned up at Gaul in yeah. a test match and we thought we'd never be playing. Raindrops the size of humans were coming down and the whole field was covered. So, yeah, I don't think that uh, weather will play too much of a part, but you're right there. The, Hamish, I don't know if you've been taking much note on um, the players that were offered central contracts. Now, I've spoken about Ravi Ashwin being uh, left out of this test match, the World Test Championship, Ajaz Patel misses out on a central contract. Um, did you see the names of the, the centrally contracted players? No, yeah, I still keep an eye on it, um, Grant. Um, I don't think you've ever called me Hamish so much, t- so many times in my life. Um, yeah, so <laughs> no, I kept an eye on it. And um, yeah, I think Ajaz, he's got to go down as one of the unluckiest cricketers um, ever to have played the game. I mean, guy, guy got 10 for. Can't get a yeah. gig. Um, I guess it's, it's just so hard with, in New Zealand conditions. And I think with AJs, it all depends on where the fixtures are. So I'm not sure off the yeah, top exactly. of my head where the fixtures are for New Zealand coming. But if they had, you know, some test series in India, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, then you I, would, if the majority I, or, or half the tests were in the subcontinent or the West Indies or something, you would you would definitely have them on your list. But if they're not, then it just 
I guess it's hard to justify it from, from the NZC point of view. And they're not, Hamish. I think there's a trip to Bangladesh, uh, but then Australia, South Africa come here. I, I think like tw- the, the next contracting period, so 12, mo- 12 months from today, a year in advance, then I think there's tours yeah. to Sri Lanka and India on the horizon. So he could be firmly back in the mix in 12 yeah. months' time. But, but it is Yeah, yeah I, I think he'll definitely, he'll definitely go to Bangladesh. He'll definitely go to Bangladesh and be the number one bowler in the Bangladesh tour, you think, unless Grant wants to get his strides back on and go back over to Bangers. But, um, well, I think, I think Ish Sodi out yeah. him in Pakistan. I thought Ish Sodi out him in Pakistan. Yeah, but I think as well, do you think, like, so, you know, in his head, it would be very hard. I know this sounds ridiculous as well, but it should be quite hard being AGS because. You come in, you, yes. you literally play the perfect. You play the perfect game. You get ten wickets. You get fourteen or something in the game, whatever he did. And then you have so many times where you actually miss out. You miss the next squad. You miss you miss games, and you've actually you've actually given everything you can. So when he actually does go out there, you wonder what's going through his head. How much pressure he's putting on himself. Does he actually does he feel back from New Zealand cricket? I mean, I'm sure steady and. The staff all back him, but does AJ's actually genuinely feel backed? There's actually that, that difference. You know, does he feel like every bad ball he bowls, he's never going to play again? You just don't know what's going inside his head. So if you figure out what his headspace is like, if you can get him into a really good headspace, um, not saying that he's not, but if he isn't, then that, that can actually control a lot of factors in the way that he bowls. Yeah, I, I really agree with you, Hamish, because I think the most difficult thing is, and this is why I brought it up, is I think he should be involved in the contracting process to give him backing, to give him confidence. But also, you look at someone like Nathan Lyon and, um, you know, Horitz that, that played for Australia. These, these off-spinning bowlers that everyone gives no chance of really succeeding in a lineup where you've got, you know, the likes of Cummins and Mitchell Johnson and Brett Lee back in the day. Um, they keep playing them, keep giving them confidence, and in conditions where they're not necessarily spinner-friendly, but because they're always playing, they're always in form, and then when they go to the subcontinent, they're ready to go. Whereas we expect our spinners to not play test cricket and have a diet of you know domestic cricket here, and then they go to India and they go, win us a game, eh, Jazz? But it's, but it's also what they do in Australia. The, the difference what Nathan Lyon does compared to all visiting spinners in Australia, it's a massive Massive advantage to Australia because they keep bowling. Well, what, yep. they keep bowling. Him. It is, and, it's, and, and well, they get him, and they get him into the game early. That's what Australia does straight away. In Australia, yeah. I think that's where overseas have, overseas teams have actually not played their card right. You got to you got to get your spinner on for your second change. I reckon um, get him on just for a couple, and then take him off. And also, what Nathan Lyon does. Um, paired to every other spinner that goes to Australia. So hopefully our spinners are listening, if they're listening to this show. As in Australia, you bowl with a lot of overspin. So you watch Lion bowl. He actually bowls from, you know, his bi- his right biceps actually close to his right ear. So he actually can get the bounce in Australia. That's where actually spinners go well. Why off spinners are such a big hit in Australia at the moment. It's because the bounce and the turn they can get. Whereas you look at someone like Ajaz or even look at Michael Bracewell, he'll definitely get bounced. But they actually, where their arm is released, it's more it's sort of, I guess more at that two o'clock as opposed to Nathan Lyon, who's actually more around that sort of, you know, he's trying to get there at that 12 o'clock or just just outside of it. So in Australia, you actually need to get that bounce um, and that overspin. So hopefully when we go there, if Bracewell will play, he he can um, achieve that and that's how we'll get it in Australia. But to go back to your point, you're right. I think AJS can do a job 
for us, he, you know, central districts, they just plug him in from one end and he bowled 20, 30 overs while they used to rotate Bracewell, Milne, Wheeler, Rance, Tickner. That's why they were so successful. They did it at domestic cricket. There's no reason why it couldn't happen at, um, at international cricket. Oh, Hamish Bennett, it's been absolutely brilliant having you on the show. Love your insight and behind enemy alliance. Enjoy the punishing chat when Australia, by the sounds of things, win the World Test Championship, the yeah, second yeah. team ever. Just call them it. Ernst Reese. Just say, well done, uh, well, being Ernst Reese. Any idea who Ernst Reese was? Well, I'm Apparently the, the second l- person that got up there. Yeah, apparently yeah. he led a Swiss expedition <laughs> yeah. in 1956. Not that any of us remember, yeah. nor care. Not, uh, Hamish, great to hear your voice, on, mate. Take he's it not easy. on the Swiss $5 note. No. <laughs> <laughs> so very true. Hamish Bennett, thank you so much. Thanks, for, Tom. Went behind enemy lines. Cheers, guys. Great reader of the game, isn't he? Really is. Great. Always so generous with his time as well. We really do appreciate it. Brilliant. 22 minutes away from 1 o'clock. There's a comprehensive review of what's happening in the World Test Championship. Look ahead to the Ashes. Guess what? SCNZ has live coverage of both. Later tonight, World Test Championship continues. And then it's five, five test matches. The Ashes, the greatest rivalry on the planet, right here on SCNZ. Back after the break. Oh, yeah, yeah. G'day, g'day, lads. Hey, um, look, I'm, I'm just going to call it how I see it with regards to our spinning situation and our, and our contracts with We've never given our spinners a decent run or a chance since the good old days of Dan Vittori. We've, um, regardless of our pitches, we, I think we need an out-and-out spinner. And the fact is we haven't given our spinners a decent run and we always revert back to the safety net of, oh, let's saw up our tail end and let's have a, a spin bowler who's or more of a bat, batsman or a or a batsman who can th- roll his arm over. And um, we've never given our out-and-out spinners a, a fair crack of the whip, and, and that's the way I see it. Um, yeah, we've just got a, we've got a couple of decent spinners. Give them a, give them a decent crack, and um, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, Finn, I think you're, you're bang on, but I think the reasons why is probably what we need to sort of work out is, we keep playing seamers in test cricket and we're very successful at test cricket in New Zealand. I think it's the pitches. We just need a few pitches where, you know, they do favour spin Bay quite Oval. heavily. Bay Oval, Hamilton every now and then. Yeah, but yeah not consistently. There's yeah. no real pitch that you well, go, wow, s- spinners Well, Grant, Grant, um, can I, Grant yeah, I know, look, you're, you're an international cricketer. Oh, I'm not, but... Would you would you say at the international level, regardless of the pitch, the the cream of the cream rises to the top? A, a very good spinner will do something for you. Will do a will do a job for you. Would that be correct? Absolutely, and I think you know Dan Vittori is probably a testament to that. He was quite a different spinner. He attacked the stumps. LBW bowled, didn't turn it much because that's what you have to do. In New Zealand conditions, it's about trying to work out the differences in pace that you bowl and get a drop lift, of the ball. Get a left arm too. And which, left arm, which, which does which help. But um, like you. what I want to see is exactly what you're talking about. I want to see consistency in selection. Spinners that are good enough to adapt to any condition so that they're playing consistently. So when they do get those conditions, be it in Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, India, 
um, or Pakistan, they can perform and they feel part of the team. So I think the frustration is there. How we go about it, I think uh, New Zealand cricket really need to look at that so that we're successful in overseas conditions. Hey, Finn, thanks so much for calling, mate. Go enjoy your day in Fakatane. Thanks so much for dropping by. Thanks, Finn. Yeah, thanks, thanks a lot. You too. Bye. Take it, take it easy. It's uh, 14 minutes away from uh, 1 o'clock. Yeah, still sort of going down the path of you know, Bob Eachway cricketer. Um, mm. At least Bracewell can turn it. I think I've said this to you in the past. At least he can. He gives it a rap. Yeah. But he's still so young, you know, as far as a spin bowler. You know, it's, you know, three or four years, really. We need, we need, and you know that crazy stat after the first test in Pakistan mm. that he bowled ten percent of all overs in first class cricket in that test. Yeah, but it tells you something. I think Daniel, we need to go past the bits and pieces all rounder and either go a full time batter, but I don't think that's the answer. So an out and out batter or an out and out bowler, and I think the bowler play the extra bowler, be more attacking is the answer, well, sh- not the bits and pieces. Australia won 17 tests in a row, playing a pretty aggressive form of cricket mm. before aggressive cricket was invented. Um, six bowlers, four bo- six batsmen, four bowlers and a keeper. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, a- and, and they wanted an all-rounder. They're desperate to get an all-rounder on their side. They just didn't really have one, so they went with specialists. Funny that. Uh, nearly 12 away from 1 o'clock. Our final thoughts, including the sporting tips, you should probably run a mile from. Uh, you've got four minutes to get in on the action as far as Ben Francis's middle name before potentially the great reveal. We will reveal nothing, disappointingly, I'm sure. But we'll give away some wonderful uh, kit thanks to the team at Rum and Q. Back after this. Uh, Chris writes on double three. middle name will be something prim and proper like St. George. That would be a cool middle name. Again, he, he would... He wouldn't hide from that. Benjamin St. George Francis. Francis. Yeah, I, I think he'd shout from the rooftops. I like that one. Um, Kimberly writes, time will tell, maybe William. Ben William Francis. No. Um, Craig uh, writes, uh, his middle name could be hemorrhoids or Uranus or toe jam or chafed nipples or Cinderella or Karen. All of them very good shouts, Craig. <laughs> Do we have a winner? Have we decided on the winner? Ben Francis, you're is the is adjudicator. Close? Is anyone close? Anyone in the ballpark? Everyone is a um, country mile off. Right. You don't have one? No, I do have one, and it is. Oh. I he, he muted himself. Mm. He, he, I'll, I'll say it again, Daniel. It is. Right. Cool. Well, I did ask uh, AI earlier, but yeah. they were way off because um, they actually said that Ben Francis is a passionate sports fan and known for his knowledge of rugby union and cricket. He's also a keen <laughs> golfer. Enjoys spending time with his family and friends. Yeah. Um, That's the biggest load of a radio, I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Radio personality and producer, best known for his work on SCNZ Sports Radio Network, where he's been a producer since 2015. Well, so have just, we been around since 2015? So just be careful what you read on AI. Yeah. Be careful what you well, throw out there. AI has me being one of the leading Sky rugby commentators. I've, I've never... Once called rugby on TV, just just radio. It also says that you make mistakes and you can be very distracting for viewers. 
But yeah. then you asked me wow. to ask the question, how bad is Daniel McCarty at broadcasting <laughs> yeah. in New Zealand? But ultimately it says, whether, you, whether not or li- you like Daniel McCarty or not, his broadcasting style is a matter of personal preference. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? All right, sporting tips, you should probably run a mile front to end the program. Uh, for the record, Australia is, and I've given India a 0% chance of winning this test match. I, I've congratulated... One from 1% to 0 <laughs> I've congratulated Australia on becoming the second team uh, to win it. Out of interest, they're paying twenty-six to win the test. Mm. 26% return. Hamish Bennett did mention weather, but I, I don't think that really plays a part in England. I've played in such atrocious weather over there that doesn't matter what the weather's like, you'll play. Your sporting tip you should probably run a mile from? Well, you know what it is if you've been listening to the show. Thomas Waldrum joined us on this show, and I love going with the experts. Uh, not because I'm lazy, Daniel. It's wow. because I want to make it more educated. That's wow. why. Because I haven't had a good run of form with my multis. And yes, it is a multi. It's a super rugby multi. We heard from Thomas. He said Hurricanes will win by 1-12. to 12. Crusaders will win by 13+, plus, and the Chiefs will win by 13+, plus, which actually gives you the potential return of $4.45, which is actually not a bad return on a melty. All right, no name. What have you got? Uh, I'm going to go back to what's done well for me in the past. I'm going to go the exact opposite of Grant Elliott. So the multi of the oh. Jura, Brumbies, <laughs> and Reds to win. Uh, guess what, guys? The Jura, Reds, and Brumbies to win is paid $166. Boom! I'm out. Boom! <laughs> retire, never to be heard again. He will retire on an island. He will cut off his phone. He will never answer our phone calls ever again. And I don't blame him one bit. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Grant. Ta-da.